Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Big sales! Happy Tuesday to you. Man. You know, again, like a broken record here. Sports World leads the news. It's always feel good, too. By the way, last night, watching LeBron James play the way he did at 38, tell you what, not a respect for that guy. You know why? I may not like LeBron James and a lot of things he does when it comes to how he conducts himself. Not look, and, and what I mean by that is this telling us about our politics and then working with the Chinese government and all that. And I'm not going to go knee deep into this, I'm not starting the show off like that. But watching him play last night, ton of respect for him. He has been a, an absolute model for the NBA, never been in trouble. He's he's carried the torch, you know, and as a, as a guy who carries the torch for a particular league. It's important. And maybe that's one of the things that John Morant doesn't get. LeBron James just can't do and wave guns and do whatever. He's the face of the NBA, and he's been the face of the NBA for 20 years. He's carried that mantle pretty damn good, I got to tell you. And I watched him play his ass off last night. He did. And and you know what? Again, no, no victory and a loss, but he showed up. How many times you see people just not show up? And I thought that was pretty good stuff last night. So, again, fantastic stuff for him last night. Now, let me do this to you. So the NFL, once again, is taking advantage of you. You know, one thing that I don't like to usually do, because what's my number one job here, is to sell sports. You know, the guys who come out and always rip sports – And the guys who come out and always take a shit on what they're talking about, dude, I mean, the bottom line here is I sell sports. This is what I do. I sell sports. I'm supposed to be a Pied Piper form. So I traditionally don't like to do this shit. But here's a typical NFL move. Do you actually think the NFL gives a shit if you show up to Lincoln Financial? You think Jeffrey Lurie cares that you show up to Lincoln Financial? You think he cares? On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think he cares? By the way, he was one of the owners that voted to flex the schedule. Okay? What? You think your owner cares? He don't give a shit. 
I think the NFL would rather have you stay at home and watch games than go to Lincoln Financial. Their actions this week have proved that. Yesterday, it proved it. They'd rather have you home than go to a game. So you get to flex out the Thursday games. I'm not going to get into the particulars because I don't give a shit. Once again, it's a slap in the face of the fans. You know, when you're putting out, and these owners think you guys have disposable income that you can eat a plane ticket or a hotel reservation. Imagine just being that rich that they don't give a shit and they're just like blind to the fact that you guys put money down maybe on a trip. Then you're not going to be able to go to it. You want to go to a particular place to watch a game. Maybe you've never been to a stadium. I think today's NFL owners make it harder to be fans of the team that they root for. Ticket prices are through the roof. Those obnoxious PSLs. Wait a minute. I got to stand in line to hopefully buy season tickets. And I got to pay 10 grand to do that. So you double dip your fans. Now you take a shit on them. And again, you're telling me about player safety. (laughs) There's not a person on the planet who, and did you even run this by the NFL players association? Are you just doing it? Are you guys just doing it? I mean, to me, once again, just shows you that the National Football League doesn't care about their fan base. They just don't care about it. They've never cared. Well, no, it's not true. Till the TV money got this big and how big the TV money is now. They don't give a shit about you, man. They don't care if you show up to Lincoln Finance. Every owner should have vetoed that. All the tailgating parties. How about the Europe trips, too, that take home games away from places like Lincoln Financial and Arrowhead or the fans in Buffalo? You take you take all those great events away from the fans. You think those guys give a shit about that? Of course they don't. Care about moving the cash register. The, the players are not business partners in that league. Like the NBA, they are business partners. Just shows you right there, man. <laughs> they would rather have you sit home. Watch the game. Gamble on the game. Then go to Lincoln Financial. Those stadium. You know, you could theoretically play the NFL games in five stadiums across the country. Have different times. And you could theoretically not have to have these billion-dollar stadiums for owners and creating their wealth. You you really don't need to build two stadiums in California. You could play them all in one place, two places, three places in the country. You don't really need to do it. But that doesn't matter because what they do is they go to you guys and they ask you to increase their net wealth. Dude, what an absolute... And again, people will go, Sills, you're making a big deal out of the flex schedule? No, I'm making a big deal on how people don't give a shit about the working man in this country, and they don't care about how you guys don't have disposable income, and you make it harder to be a fan today. That's what I'm bitching at. That's what I'm bitching at. They even give a shit about it. Player safety. It's a ruse, man. These people don't care. Good afternoon, Neil. Appreciate it. All right. We got a ton of stuff on the schedule today. 
By the way, Randy Cross, we're going to talk a little 49ers football. 49ers! Well, you got a, you got a neutral site for the Super Bowl. Why not double neutral site for the playoffs? Why not? Why not hold the Super Bowl into place? Hey, hey, double. Have Has any NFL fan ever asked this? If you have the best regular season record, why can't you hold a championship game in your own stadium? Like, why shouldn't the Eagles have been able to hold the championship game at Lincoln Financial, the Super Bowl? Why do you have to go to some other place? Why again? Because it's warmer? Who gives a shit? Football's played outside in all kinds of weather. Yeah, but it's for the fans. No, it's not. Since when is it for the fans? It's for TV. It's for Chamber of Commerce looks. Wait, I, I've always said this. If some team's 15-1, and one, shouldn't you be rewarded for that? Whether it's Green Bay or it's Miami. You should be able to host the Super Bowl in your own stadium. If they don't give a shit about... Hey, and that argument... Well, it doesn't give the fans enough time to get to the Super Bowl. Well, you're flexing Thursday and Sunday games now. You think they have time to change their schedules? The NFL talks out of both sides of their mouth. I mean, you have the best record. You should be, you should be rewarded for that. They do in baseball. Okay? So we're going to talk to Randy Cross at 4.30, and we are working on Seth Joyner for hopefully 5.30. I asked Seth if he wanted to come on a little bit earlier in the process, and we're waiting to hear back, but hopefully we get Seth on at around 5.30 today. So we welcome you, and we welcome you aboard here with us. All right, I I, want to give you this because this is fresh off the presses here. Fresh off the presses. Pro football focuses top 10 quarterbacks heading into the 2023 season. Here they are, top 10. According to pro football focus, baby. Yes, sir. This is the Bible of NFL football. You're 10 best quarterbacks heading into OTAs, then the July training camp. Sue, how you doing? Thanks for stepping in. Number 10, the greatness of Dak Prescott comes in at number 10 for Pro Football Focus's best 10 quarterbacks in the league. Number nine, Mr. Purple, Kurt Cousins, Mr. Yardage. Number eight, according to Pro Football Focus, the Bible, the Bible of the NFL, Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville Jaguars. He's really come along, hasn't he? Since Urban Liars' time. He really has, man. I'm, I'm proud of the kid. Number seven. 
according to pro football focus, these are your top 10 signal callers heading into the season. Jalen Hurts, number seven, Philadelphia Eagles. Here are the quarterbacks that are ranked ahead of Jalen Hurts, according to Pro Football Focus. Lamar Jackson at number six, Baltimore Ravens. Number five, according to Pro Football Focus, your top 10 quarterbacks. Aaron, four-time NFL MVP, New York Jet, Rodgers. At number four, according to Pro Football Focus and not Big Sills, Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers. Number three, according to Pro Football Focus, the same big sales. Joe, soon to be $52 million per year, borrow Cincinnati Bengals. Number two, the greatness of Wyoming Cowboys' own Josh, Bills Mafia, Allen, number two. (laughs) And the man in Kansas City sits atop the 10 best quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, Patrick Mahomes. Damn! Dude, it's pretty impressive, though. All kidding aside, your boy's in the top 10. It's insanity. He wasn't in the top 20 last year. Not for me, man. That year he came off that playoff game against the Buccaneers, I didn't think shit of him. You got him now seven and rising? I think it's incredible. I don't think that's any disrespect. By the way, here's how you have to look at a list like this. Hurts is top three. Nobody on the planet outside of Philadelphia is going to start a football team with Jalen Hurts if he doesn't have all the components around him. You're going to start it with Justin Herbert. But let me finish here how I read this. Okay? Jalen Hurts, his arrow is moving up. His arrow's moving up. Okay? And I think it's going to continue to move up. Lamar Jackson, you think that arrow is moving up or down? I I, I think it's a big question mark. How about this? Would we not say that that arrow for Lamar Jackson, this is a big year for him. Are you going to be healthy? And are you going to carry your Ravens to the playoffs? You've got a lot of dudes to compete against in the AFC. You think his arrow is going up or down right now? I'm going to make a point to you, and I'm going to show you here. I think Lamar is what he is. This year will tell us everything we need. Right. I don't think that about Hurts yet. 
See, when I look at Jalen Hurts, I'm still not sure what I see in a good way. I don't think he's going to regress back to sucking. And not that he ever did, really. Okay, but I don't think he's going to regress backwards. Like, he's going to walk backwards a ton. I, I, I don't believe that. And I like what Tone said. Hey, Lamar, you got to kind of up it a little bit here. So would we not go like this? Jalen could pass him. Aaron Rodgers. Hey, this guy's had a great career. He's a Hall of Famer. Nobody's debating that. But how good are you at 40? How far are you carrying the Jets? What do you think his meter's at now? You think that thing's moving up? Or do you think that thing's moving down? Or do you think it's kind of like what it is? Jalen could pass him. Imagine that. But he's 40. I, I, I don't think that's a diss on Aaron Rodgers. And it's true. Lamar's got weapons. You know what, though, Quizzy? He's, he's had weapons in the past. Okay, I mean, I would say this about Aaron Rodgers. Could Jalen Hurts pass him this year? Yeah. 40-year-old guy. Comes off the down year. He's in a new environment. Who knows? Rodgers throws for 5,000. Could that be? He could do that too. Rodgers could skyrocket back up the list. I don't, but, but here again, his needle, I don't know where it is. Same with Lamar. Same with Rodgers. Miguel, pretty damn cool of you. Dan, <clears throat> you're a guy who talks about production. So tell me why Herbert is above Hertz. I'll get there. When Hertz is taking his team to back-to-back playoff appearances, I know Herbert can sling it, but he's led his team down in the playoff game. He led his team down in the playoff game. Miguel? Yes. <clears throat> yes. The reason that these guys are ranked ahead of Jalen is because they're not taking team accomplishments into play here. They're looking at individual skill set. You guys are adding the Super Bowl appearance. Okay, that's a team accomplishment. I keep telling you guys that. And is that important? I think it is. I think that is. I do. But it's got to be important when you put that same critique on someone else. If Jimmy Garoppolo, who is 49 and 19, and he takes his team to NFC title games and a Super Bowl, you can't turn around and go, well, he sucks. That's not true. Actually, he beat you two years ago, Garoppolo. So when you make that comment, you have to go by skill set. And that's when you guys go, well, Jalen's a better quarterback than Jimmy G. Well, now you're talking about skill. You can't wobble the conversation and add it when you feel like it. And many of you do. So I think this sheet right here, this pro football focus is looking at it on skill. They think those six quarterbacks are more skilled than Jalen. That's the only way you can look at it because how many quarterbacks have gone to Super Bowls on this list? Mahomes, Burrow, Rodgers, Hurts, four of the 10 guys on this list have gone to Super Bowls. And one, 
two have won. This is a list of skill, not of team accomplishments. That's how they're evaluating this. They think Justin Herbert is more talented than Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Uh, He is. Again, that conversation goes deeper, though, because Jalen, watch this. Justin Herbert is a more skilled quarterback throwing the ball than Jalen Hurts is, and it's not close. Jalen Hurts offers more skill sets and more ways of scoring and more ways of moving the chains than Justin Herbert can. For that matter, Patrick Mahomes. Is that fair? Jalen can move the ball in multiple ways. Mahomes can't. Mahomes can't. Burrow can't. Jalen can. But is Burrow a better passer? Geno Smith is a better passer than Jalen Hurts. Or we'll say this. For two guys who had one great year in their careers, Geno's had a better year than what Jalen did, throwing the ball. I've said that to you. But that's not the conversation here. Jalen offers more way of getting the ball to the end zone than any one of these guys on this list. Okay? Jalen stood up in the biggest games. He did not play well in those playoff games. He was spectacular in the Super Bowl, in the biggest game. And that matters. Showing up matters, right? Ask Dak and Kirk Cousins that. Let me finish where I was going here. Justin Herbert, I happen to agree with you guys for all the skill that guy shows. Son, you got to start winning some ball games now. Second fastest guy to 15,000 passing yards. That's all good in today's NFL, and I, I'm with you. However, you got to cash that in for something. Because after a while, you're going to be called empty calorie stats. You see, listen, I don't have a problem with this list. Because every quarterback that's ranked ahead of him, maybe Lamar. Is a better passer than Hurts. I don't. I don't think anybody would debate that. Is he getting better at accuracy? Absolutely. Is he getting better? Yes. All of that is true. Can he get the ball into the end zone multiple ways compared to anybody on this list? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, we're gonna get Seth Joiner now. Um. We're going to get Seth on now. And we're going to we're going to ask him. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go around the room here a little bit. And hey, hey Tone, did you send him the link here cuz we're going to get Seth on here and we're going to bring Seth up now. Don't forget too. We're going to do Randy Cross at 4:30 and we're going to talk a little 49ers with Randy Cross. Those 49er dynasties back in the day. Hey, you know what's funny? The 49ers They went from Joe Montana to Steve Young the same way that Green Bay, the same way that Green Bay went from Favre to Rodgers. So at 4.30, my friend Randy Cross will join us, uh, owner of three Super Bowls. We'll talk a little 49ers with him. I'll tell you something. This pro football focus, before we bring Seth on, I I, want to show you one more time. 
It, it's, it's Mahomes a better passer than Hurts? Yes. Is Allen? Yes. Is Burrow? Yes. Is Herbert? Yes. But Jalen is a one of. He's unique. He can get the ball in the end zone multiple ways. Not one guy on this pro football focus list can do what Hurts does, except maybe Lamar Jackson. And this is the trend of the NFL. Bruce Arians is going to join us tomorrow. These dual threat guys are here to stay. And Hurts is probably the best dual threat quarterback I've ever seen. Let's start the conversation off there with Seth Joyner here, and he joins us now. Seth, I appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you so much, Seth. Hey, hey, um, let's see if we can bring him up here now. Um, Tone, can we get him in here? Let's see if we can get him up here. Haven't there we go. Hey, Seth, how you doing? Seth, how you doing, my friend? Are you muted? Probably. <laughs> Hey, man, thanks for jumping in. I know you got some place to go. Hey, will you listen to what I was saying? Is that, Seth, it's not that, it's not that I don't think Jalen is continuing to improve as a passer because he is. You see his accuracy. You see his decision. What I love about him so much is his decision-making on the field. He sees the game like Brady, and he's he's more of a – He's more of a hybrid guy in a way. He's a one of Seth. I mean, he's not going to be Joe Burrow, but he's going to get the chains moving because he can move it in multiple ways. Is that how you see Hertz? I think that he's still growing. And I think that a lot of, you know, I saw the same list um, this morning on social media that he was ranked the sixth best quarterback in the National Football League. Um, and I just kind of chuckled at it because. You know, there's there's two things at work here. Um, if you look at the other quarterbacks on their on that list, they're all first rounders. That's the hmm. first thing. The NFL loves its first round quarterbacks, and the NFL loves for its first first round quarterbacks to be, you know, the the face of the National Football League. Um, the second thing is he's bucking all the trends. How in the hell was Jalen Hurts supposed to? How was he to take the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl in his third year in the NFL, his second year as a full-time starter? You know, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, so when I look at all of these things, and he's not the traditional guy to your to your point, you know, most of these other guys with the exception, like you said, of Lamar Jackson, you know, and maybe even Josh Allen, because he yep. runs a lot more, um, you know, a lot more than – you know, people would want to admit, but, you know, when I look at Josh Allen, you know, he, he, he's, he's like a Brett Favre to me, a bigger Brett Favre, you know, who doesn't throw as many interceptions. Um, but he takes chances because he's got a big arm. Um, but the rest of these guys are pretty much pocket passers unless they're forced to get out of the pocket with the exception of Lamar. Um, and I think in a lot of ways that the NFL does not want to see, um, you know, that be, you know, the prototypical quarterback. But guess what? With these multiple offenses, run pass option, read option, all of this stuff, um, this is the quarterback of the future. 
not the prototypical six four, six five guy that can stand in the pocket, you know, and go through a progression and, you know, manipulate the pocket. Yeah, these guys have to have some of that. But I think for the most part, you know, their ability to be able to run and stress defenses out, um, that's going to be the direction that you see most offenses go in the National Football League now. Well, Seth, I never thought about the promoting of the league, that the league is still in a stigma of the running quarterback being promoted versus the big arm guy who gets the points and and gets the theatrical points. You see, when you're Jalen, you're going to go on a 17-play drive or a 12-play drive. That at times can be mundane. You want to watch somebody like Allen or Burrow, these guys, or Mahomes, they just chuck it down the field, three plays, they're in the end zone, they're seven. They go back to a commercial timeout. It's about really the image of the league and what they're promoting. But I agree. I think these guys are here to stay. You're seeing more of them come into the league. So you think the league is going through a transformation right now and what they're seeing with these dual threat guys coming into the sport? There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, the day and age of the Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, you know, type quarterback that can't run, who just Philip Rivers, who just stands in the pocket, that day is done, you know, because defenses are too complex. Pass rushes, you know, are too dominant, you know, for you to have a guy who cannot manipulate the pocket or a guy who can't get your first down, you know, with his legs when everything, you know, breaks down. And, and to your point, you know, you talk about, the image of the league and, and, and how quarterbacks in the league are looked upon. Um, all you got to do is go back a year and, you know, revisit the verbiage that surrounded when Jalen hurts. Oh, you know, he's inaccurate. Oh, his arm strength. Oh, his ability to read defenses. Oh, you know, can he get through his progressions? We still don't know that all of these questions befell him this year, last year, this time, as he was preparing for, you know, the 2022 season, you know, and what did he do? The kid just went to work. The kid went to work and proved to everybody, you know, that he could be in a lot of ways what a lot of people thought he could not be. Um, and this is where I always say, because I would love for the naysayers to step up and just say, you know, hey, I got it wrong on Jalen Hurts. You know, I got it 100% wrong. Because everything that I thought he couldn't be, he could be. And the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, last when last season was over, even throughout, you know, last season, you know, not the the his second, his first year under Nick Sirianni, I said, listen, I, I've learned some lessons over the years. You know, the first one was judging a, a head coach before, you know, seeing the end result. Like Doug Peterson, you know, I never thought that Doug Peterson would be a great head coach. But when Mike Lombardi said what he said about Doug Peterson, the way that the players went to his defense, that told me that they saw something from the inside that I couldn't see looking from the outside. OK, so when we hired Nick Sirianni, I said the same thing. Whoa, you know, don't don't particularly like, you know, the press conference and, you know, the way he handles himself. But let's see how this thing pans out. Same exact thing with Jalen Hurts. I'm like, you don't know what's in here, and you don't know what resides right here. 
before you start talking about what another man can be or what he can transform himself into. Because if he is, if his mindset is right and he's set on being the best that he can be, and he has some talent and some some ability, some potential, and even much more if he has the God-given gift of hard work, because not everybody has that ability. Talent sometimes can be a curse as well as it can be, you know, a um, a, a gift. Um, so I don't doubt anybody until I can see over a period of time, you know, how they can transform themselves and how they can, you know, remake themselves. You know, Jalen did it, you know, going from Alabama to Oklahoma. And now we watched him transform himself from the collegiate game to the pro game. And uh, in my opinion, he deserves to be a hell of a lot higher than, you know, six on that list. Tell me how many of those guys have taken their team to a Super Bowl. Oh, no, there's only four guys that are on this top 10, and actually he's ranked seventh. And the guys that are ahead of him, Mahomes, Burrow, Rodgers, are the only quarterbacks that have gone. And Mahomes and Rodgers that are ahead of him are the only ones that have won a Super Bowl. The other guys, again, um, uh, like you said, I, di I didn't realize that except for Cousins, who's at nine, and Dak. Are, are all underachievers. It's funny, too. They're all in the NFC. Uh, all the NFC quarterbacks are all underachievers when you look at the guys that are high on that list. Dak was a fourth or fifth rounder. Cousins was a fourth or fifth rounder. And Jalen was a second rounder. The AFC has all the guys that are in the top, that, uh, that, are, that were all top draft choices there. I got to ask you something, Seth. And I want to, you know, have a conversation here because – I think you're the only one that, outside of me, really, that could have this. Are you concerned about Jalen Carter? And I want to throw this at you. Someone asked me the other day, was Jerome lazy? I was like, um, I wouldn't say lazy, but what I would say is he would take plays off, and we had to remind him at times. And all of a sudden, he would be reminded, and he'd make those flash plays, and you're like, shit. So you put up with a little bit of that. And I thought when he got around you guys, you and Reggie, he became a better practice player than he was with us because he saw how you guys prepared each and every single week. Not that we didn't, because we had first we had a bunch of great people at UM. You know this. And so I tried telling people, are you concerned about Jalen Carter? And I'm like, hey, Jerome used to go in that parking lot at the vet on that motorcycle and Jeff Fisher and all them guys, they used to call me and he's going to 160 miles an hour and everyone was worried about him and everyone was concerned about him. Do you see that? And do you think the environment in that building is enough so that this guy can fulfill his prophecy? I want to be very respectful to my friend here. I think that. Um... <clears throat> and do you agree with what I said? Oh no! Listen, every every player in the NFL has to grow up. Okay, you asked me the question: Was Jerome lazy? Yeah, he was lazy. There were times where he was lazy. Um, there were times where him and I had heart to heart conversations. I'm like, you don't know how great you could be 
if you just spend an offseason working out. I said, I will come to Brooksville or you can come to El Paso, Texas and work out with me. I will go through it with you. I said, but if you get yourself in tip top shape, you know, as great as you are right now, they're not going to be able to touch you. Unfortunately, you know, he was he had just got to a point where, you know, it was it wasn't going in one ear and out the other. It yeah, was he going saw the light. Yeah. It, it was that off season. We were having conversations that off season. Otho Davis actually sent me, you know, a video of him biking and training, you know, and unfortunately, you know, on June 25th, um, you know, we lost him. Um, but when you talk about Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter has to go through that same growth spurt, you know, from a psychological and a mental standpoint, you know, it's, it's hard for, you know, I talked about talent, you know, um, talent can either be a blessing or it can be a curse, you know, for the guy who relies only on his talent, it's a curse because when you become, when you get to this level, when you get to the level of the best of the best, Talent is not enough. Talent is can get you there, but your hard work will keep you there. And it's hard for people who are supremely talented to realize that they need to work hard because they're just better than everybody else naturally. You know, it was different for me because, you know, I wasn't, you know, this, this great talent. So I knew I had to work my ass off to get to where I wanted to get to. Um, so it was different for me. I spent, you know, I was in the, 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 the classroom watching film to seven, eight o'clock at night during the week when everybody else was out of the building by four, four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I did extra, you know, work on the field when I felt like I needed it. Um, I even got home at night after dinner and would study till 10, 30, 11, 12 o'clock at night. You know, because I knew I needed the upper hand because I just couldn't beat everybody that I lined up against, you know, because I was supremely more talented than they were. Um, so for the person who realizes that that hard work is necessary, talent's a blessing because you just got to put in the work. For the person who doesn't get that, um, it's tough. Um, you would hope for Jalen Carter that what he went through um, a couple of days after the national championship was, you know, a life changing experience for him. Um, because I would submit to you or surmise to you that the reason why his pro day was so crappy is because of all the things that he had to go through leading up to it. You know, I mean, football is probably the last thing on his mind. I mean, you get subpoenaed, you know, so you miss a day of the combine. And then you got all of this stuff that's swirling around you and everyone's talking about you and everyone's talking about, you know, that you, what you don't deserve, you know, and then you got to go out, you know, and perform for the scouts again. So hopefully the impact of that, I think what people forget is that his friend died, that a colleague died, and he had to deal with the reality of that. You know, it wasn't his fault that they died. 
it was his fault that they were doing what they were doing. And it was just as much theirs, God rest their souls, as it was his. You know, how many of us have done dumb things, stupid things, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. And just by God's grace and mercy, I'm sitting here talking to you right now, Dan, or you're sitting here talking to me. Are we, you know, me and Jerome used to race out front of the Miami. Hey, and someone asked me this, Seth. They go, did you and Jerome ever race out front of Miami? I go, yay, being his grand national, I would be in a Corvette. We would race. The cops would come. And just by the grace of God of what you're saying, nothing, un, uh, nothing fortunately happened. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, someone would go like this. A cop came over or said something. And if I was Jalen Carter, I would lie too. I, because you're you're in a position where you know that you're doing something stupid and it comes and you start to realize that you could be looked at in a different light. Anybody in their right mind who's going to be the ninth pick in the draft, like Jerome was, um, is going to lie. My problem with the whole thing would be his decision-making. As long as he doesn't do the same shit over Seth and put himself in that position to me, we like you said, we all make dumb mistakes. But what I don't want is a reckless dude on my team. That's something I can't have because that means I can't count on you. And if he learns from all this, and I and I, I think the environment's in the room. Tracy recruited him. Uh, Jordan Davis is there. He's got people he played with. They interviewed the defensive coordinator for the DC job. The, the Eagles did. So they've done all their due diligence. I personally think. That the media guy who asked him that dumb question and said something like, hey, I don't really feel that you're really sorry. He's just got to watch himself because the media in Philadelphia is going to set him up. Yeah, let me let, 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 let Can I address that? You know. They set him up, Seth. When, when, when someone when someone is in a position of knowing what's in your heart and what's in your mind, <laughs> only then can they judge the level of contrition that you that you that, that you have this whole contrition things chaps my freaking ass if you will because you know what you don't get to look at me and tell me what i feel i don't care who you are you don't get to look at me and say oh you know you don't look like you're all that sorry excuse me but fuck you how about that okay because you don't know the pain that i go through every night when i see two people that means something to me, die in front of my own eyes, okay? The question almost makes it seem like because he is the one that lived and the other two died, it's his fault that they died. I don't, I, I just don't, the contrition thing really, really bothers me, okay? Who died and made you God? Who put you in a position that you can judge someone and say, Oh, well, you, you look like you're contrite. Oh, you're contrite enough. You said you're sorry enough. Go to hell, okay? Go to hell because you don't know what I deal with on a daily basis. You don't know the nightmares that I have on a daily basis, okay? You're just trying to write a story. You're just trying to put a narrative out there, okay? Now, I don't know Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter, but... If I had an opportunity to talk to him, Dan, you know what my 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 spiel to him would be? Is that listen, by God's mercy, you got a second chance where your friends didn't. 
okay? You're in a unique position, okay? You've worked your entire life for this. And you, there are these things out there that can snatch it away from you as fast as that night, that race snatched those two lives away from you, okay? So you got a choice to make. You can either learn from that or you can learn the hard way. My mom used to always tell me, son, a hard head makes for a soft ass. <laughs> and there's two ways there's two ways to do things, okay? You can either do it the right way or you can do it again, okay? So you got your second chance. You're not going to get a third chance if you do something stupid, okay? All the naysayers, all the haters, all the doubters, they're waiting for you to confirm what they think about you. But only you know who you are and only you know what your dreams are. And only you control the narrative of what your future is going to look like. Okay? You work too hard to get to where you are. Don't let nothing, no one, no circumstance snatch your dream from you. You know, you just can't do it. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, these guys back in the day, you know, who would go to the combine and smoke and and and, and test positive for smoking weed. You know they're going to test you. Okay? <laughs> You've been working your entire life for this. You mean to tell me that getting high is so important that you got to do it and then go and test positive, knowing that people are going to move you off their draft board, you dummy? You know, I'm not letting anything or anyone deter me from my goal. My goal was to get to the NFL. I, didn't, I wasn't going to have any associations. I wasn't going to be mixed up in drugs in any way stealing none of that stuff because i already knew that I, I i was fighting an uphill battle i wasn't gonna throw anything else on top of it to make that journey even that much more difficult you know this is the reality that people need to like hit these guys you know that, that have these troubled past they need to hit them between the eyes what else are you going to do in your lifetime that's going to allow you to change the dynamic of your family economically and for you to accomplish what you want to accomplish than what you're doing right now. So nothing's more important than that, okay? No party, no car, no woman, none of this. None of that stuff is more important than what your dreams are. So you put all of that stuff on the back burner, and everyone in your life has to understand that this is first and everything else is second. Absolutely. couple last questions for you, Seth. I know you got to roll. Um Brian Baldinger said something a couple weeks ago to me on the program. And I want to get your spin on this. You know, it's funny that Jordan Davis came into uh, the Eagles out of shape. And it's also funny that Jalen Carter was out of shape for the Combines and for his pro day. And this is what Baldy said. He was like, you know, that's a funny program. These guys do so much rotating and so much in and out. That And they get such big leads. And because you got a deal now, Seth, with nil and with the transfer portal at Georgia, guys are in and out. You got a promise nowadays, not like when you and I played. You're going to play all 70 plays. No one's coming in for your ass. The programs today, those big ones like Bama and Georgia, you got to rotate a shitload of guys. And his opinion is this. 
those guys aren't NFL conditioned when they come into the NFL because they don't play game reps. They don't play 70 plays. They're he does, that's why you don't see a lot of production. Like Jordan Davis had nine sacks in 43 games at Georgia. And I'm like, man, that's not a lot of production. I look at Carter's stats. I see the skill, great hands, great feet, controls the middle, does all the things. Then I watch him. I go, I, I, this is not a character thing. This is more, is it an indictment on the program that, you know, they have so many great players there, Seth, and that rotating these Georgia guys, man, it's maybe they're just not in shape when they come into the game. It's, can can, can Baldy be onto something here with that? They're just not in game. They don't do enough game reps. I don't know that I agree with that 100% because, you know, what you see on the college level is now what you're witnessing on the pro level. Like, when I played, I wasn't giving up any of my reps. Don't send somebody in because I look like I'm tired, okay? Don't send somebody in because, you know, you got a monitor on me that tells you that, you know, my oxygen levels are, you know, a little lower than where they need to be. No, I'm the starting linebacker and I'm going to start and play every damn play. I'm not giving any of my reps to anybody else. The dynamics are different now. Okay. They're trying to make sure they can keep people fresh for one. Secondly, you know, um, they've got these players, you know, on a percentage or a pitch count. They, they, they analytically, they feel like when players get to a certain amount of plays, that the risk of injuries go up exponentially. Like the Eagles, the Eagles will never, you'll never, very, very rarely, maybe once a year, once every two years, will you see a running back supersede more than eighteen carries in a game? Because I honestly believe that the Eagles. You know, sports medicine people and sports science people believe that the minute that a running back gets above 18 carries, the probability of injury goes up exponentially. Okay, so it's no different in Georgia. They're doing the same thing. They just got so much talent that they can get away with it a lot more than a lot of other programs can. Now, does. Do, do these guys, you know, need to get in shape for the pro level? Absolutely. None of us came into the, the pro game in shape for the pro game. We, we so, all felt it, right, Seth? If you played college ball in a lot of it, like week 12, 13, 14, you were like – because, yeah, we net played past 11 games and 12 games back then. I was like this in week 13 or 14. Holy shit, man. There's four more of these things. <laughs> well, hey, listen, for, for me it was just – you know, I mean, we conditioned too. You yeah, know, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, three a days, two a days. <laughs> it wasn't like you didn't, you know, you weren't prepared. That's why, you know, in the buddy, we always got off to a two and four record or one and three record because, you know, we just beat the, he, he beat the hell out of us, you know, in training camp. And we conditioned almost every day after training camp. But by the time we got past week four or five and we, you know, caught our second win, now we were in shape and, you know, you could play a complete game and not have to worry about it. There's a, there's a, a distinct difference between, you know, the level of conditioning that you have to have as a professional player and the level of conditioning that you have to have as a collegiate player. It's just factual. You know, the game is faster. The game is more powerful. The game is more violent. You know, all of those things, you know, come into it. And now with these wide open offenses, 
you know, you're playing more plays. You know, back in my day, if you played like 65 plays, that was a lot of plays. A lot of plays. You know, now, you know, under 70, you know, that's, you know, that's an anomaly. You know, they're like 70 and above. So, I mean, you think about these long drives. You get a guy, and as, as smart as coordinators are, they say, okay, we got him on the field. You know, uh, we're not even going to change um, personnel. We're going to go hurry up so we can keep those guys that are in the game that are like got their hands on their knees and, you know, can't even, you know, their their tongue is stuck to the roof of their mouth. We're going to keep them right down the field and wear them down even more, you know. And a lot of times they force the defense to call the timeout just so they can rotate and get some get some new guys in and get get those guys some some oxygen. But it's like I always say, if you don't work hard and you don't practice hard, it's hard to play hard, you know. I mean, Buddy pushed us. And he pushed us because he wanted practice. He wanted game to feel like practice and practice to feel like game, you know. So he pushed, 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 pushed. You know, maybe it was a little bit of overkill. You know, I don't know. Um, but I don't think that, you know, the way that college teams manage their players and the way that pro teams manage their players is that much different. I just think that, you know, these guys need to, by their second year, they need to adapt and get their pro body. Like Jordan Davis, in my opinion, Jordan Davis needs to be about 325 pounds, okay? He needs to be much more muscular than he is, you know, from his neck down to his waistline, you know, and still got that baby fat, Seth. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, you're playing against grown men. You're not playing against, you know, kids anymore. So, you know, it took me about a year and a half, two years for me to get my pro body. And I thought that I was like there, you know, but the difference was, you know, I was bulky, but I was too big. You know, I came in at 255, you know, running the four five five forty. You know, Buddy looked at me after, you know, my, my rookie season. I started the last, you know, seven, eight games of the year. And he was like, when you come in next year, I need you around, you know, four, 242 to 245. No more than 245. You know, people don't understand, you know, that's a lot, you know, to lose 10 pounds. Oh, yeah. You know. When you when you're mostly muscle anyway, you know. But once I did that, it changed the complete dynamic of how I played the game, my conditioning for the game, and everything else. So to me, what's more important is I want to see these guys get their pro body. I'm not worrying about conditioning, you know, because they'll get there. They're only going to play 60, 65 percent of the plays max anyway. You know, none of these players are going to play more than 60, 65% of the plays. Like Fletcher Cox, Fletcher only plays like 50, 55% of the plays, you know? So conditioning is not necessarily, you know, an issue in my book because there's very few positions, you know, the one starting linebacker that's in on every play, the corners, um, the quarterback, the offensive line, those guys are going to play every damn play. They ain't getting a break. Everybody else, they're going to get a blow. Finally, last question for you here. A um, couple things. I, one of my guys over at the Novacare Center um, told me something about Matt Patricia, and I want to ask you the style of defense that this team should play. I'm not sure they know, but let me throw this at you. Patricia's brought in because they're playing the Dolphins, 
the Patriots, the Jets, um, and the Bills. Obviously, he's brought in as a hitman. He schemed against those teams for 17 years up in New England with Belichick. So it kind of makes sense as a mercenary coach, kind of in a way. Plus, he's pretty good at disguising. But Desai here, a Fangio guy, Seth, they don't have linebackers. There's four linebackers on the roster right now. One of them we're not sure about, N'Kobe Dean. And the rest of them, I mean, the one guy had 100 tackles in Chicago. They took T.J. Edwards. They wanted to upgrade, and we took their downgrade. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think is the best scheme for this team? Because I think they're corners. They're light, right up the middle, too, Seth. Look, I mean, you don't know what you got at the safety position. Your linebacking core is weak. You can't put Nicobe out. You can't put Nicobe inside on guards in a 34. Guys like Landon Dickerson will run him into the turf. You put him out wide. Um, do you put Nolan Smith out wide? Use some of that 4-3? Put the pieces on the chessboard for me here if you can. Um, because it just seems that, that figuring out this Rubik's Cube is going to be quite the task this year. Well, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what it is that Sean decide, decides to do. Um, I, I think that the Eagles have got some major I, – I don't – I don't know that, you know, you hire a guy because you're playing that division that he lived in, you know, all of those years. To me, it's got to be a lot more there that he brings to the table than what he can tell you about the Bills, the Jets, and the Patriots. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm more concerned and more interested to see, you know, with Sean decide selling us – you know, Wolf Tickets, was he telling us what we wanted to hear about the fan base in the city of Philadelphia, that, you know, the team should embody, you know, the um, the attitude and, you know, what the city is like. Because Philly is rough, tough, grungy, you know, blue collar. You ain't face. buying it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it that's not the type of defense that we've seen the last two years. You Correct. Know? So – is there, a, is there a, a, an adjustment? Is there a switch, you know, that we're going to see? Vic Fangio, I will say this, Vic Fangio is not necessarily, you know, a passive guy. He doesn't. He didn't run his defenses the way that Jonathan Gannon ran his defenses. Um, Jonathan did not have the ability to disguise coverages, you know, so they were pretty static. And that's easy for, you know, the elite quarterbacks of the NFL. You think they became you know? too predictable? Oh, no doubt about it. You know, I mean, when you line up and where you line up is where you finish up, you can't play in the National Football League like that. You can get away with that in college sometimes. And there may be some lower level quarterbacks in the National Football League that you can get away with that with. But for the most part, the elite level quarterbacks, they're going to get a pre-snap read and you're beat before they even ask for the football. You know, so they got to disguise some of the things that they do. Um, I just still believe they need to be more aggressive. You know, they're not going to have 70 sacks like they had last year. Those things are anomalies, just like Nick Foles had 27 touchdowns and, you know, two interceptions way back. Those things are anomalies. You're not going to do that year after year. Now, they're going to be a good pass rushing football team. They should be. Um, but 70 sacks, come on. No. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening again, you know. But so they're going to have to be a little more aggressive. Um, when you say that, Seth, corners aggressive, 
uh, linebacker blitzes, uh, stunts on the perimeter, fives and sevens, techniques. Are you talking twists and stuff like that? Or are you talking multiple ways of being able to disguise uh, blitzes and pressure? Is that, I mean, is, is that what you're talking? I think all of it, Dan, because you know what? You want to make offensive coordinators have to prepare yeah. for a plethora of stuff. Like, if you're an offensive coordinator preparing for Jonathan Gannon, you didn't, you didn't lose much no. sleep during the week. You know, you just didn't because you knew what you were going to get. Coverage-wise, you know, you're probably going to get Cover one or two, two blitzes a game. That's it, okay? So that's easy. But I think it's just a combination of all of it. You know, what really excites me is, you know, about this defense is what you can do. And, and I agree. Let me stop. Let me stop for a second and I'll go forward. I agree, you know. The overlooking of the linebacker position to me, you know, is a massive mistake because all teams are four two front. And because you don't have four down four linebackers or three linebackers on the field, you better make sure that at least one of those guys that's playing linebacker in that four two scheme is a damn, damn downright, you know, hellraiser. If you look at all the good defenses in the National Football League now, they all have at least one linebacker that's a playmaker. Not a tackling machine, a playmaker and a tackling machine. Okay. So that's that's a deficiency that you know they're either gonna have to address through competition and somebody's gonna step up and take the bull by the horns, be it Nicobe Dean or whoever it is, you figure out a way to protect him if you know if he can't get off blocks and things of that nature, or you find it through competition throughout training camp, or that guy maybe not even in the building right now. You just never know. But when I look at the pieces that they have, what excites me is the diversity that you can have within, you know, your defense. When you go to your five-man front, like when the Eagles went to their five-man front last year, you knew that any time that they wanted to rush forward and drop one out of that look that it was going to be Hassan Reddick, okay? Now, now you got a guy who's probably going to be a rotational player in Nolan Smith that he can be that guy. Okay, now think about it. Think about this NASCAR package. You got Hassan Reddick on one side, Nolan Smith on the other side. You kick BG down to tackle. You you, you got Fletcher Cox and you got Jalen Carter. Okay, and now you got games that you can run out of that look. Okay, you got you got situations. two missiles. You got two missiles on the perimeter that you can really utilize. I've been saying that the whole time, Seth, that I'd put the kid Smith because of the four, three, and he's potentially a better tackler and he's a better cover guy, like more like a Parsons guy on the wide side of the field. And I would rush Reddick off the weak side and rush him that way because he he's a one dimensional guy, Seth. He's not the greatest tackler. He's, he's more of just get up there, go around the hula hoop. Yeah, but you got so many different things you can do, Dan. Okay, Let, let's say so. The Eagles last year they couldn't stop anybody in their four man front, so they, they 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 had to pretty much live in a five man front. Even in passing situations, if you want to go a five man front, you know, look at the options that you have. Okay, you can drop both guys and bring two backers or a backer and a safety. Take your fives, bow them out for contain. Send two guys up the middle. Take your nose, Jalen Carter, and just run the center straight back, okay? That's one look. 
then you got all the games that you can play on one side or the other. Okay. You can crash Nolan Smith or Hassan Reddick and scrape the backer off the end. I mean, there are so many. I mean, when they picked him, I got a pen in the paper and I sat down and I just started drawing up five five man games and the things that they can do. You think they got more athletic, Seth? Oh, of course they did, man. Of course. Because there, there's more diversity with Nolan Smith. Now, he's not a guy you can play every play. You know, Josh Sweat is still going to play. He's still going to be the starter. Graham. And then you got BG, you know, who's probably going to get, you know, his 35 to 40% of the plays. But the things that you can do in situational football with those guys on the field, it's just you know, even, even in first and second down situation, you know, just your run blitzes. You know, if you get a team that really wants to test you, your run blitzes and your run fits are just phenomenal in a true seven-man front with the guys that you have and the different things that you can do. So there should be a lot more movement, you know, on this defensive line, ETs, TEs, line up three guys on one side, Hassan Reddick by himself on the other side, and you got all these loops and all these stunts. You walk the Mike Backer down in the in the A-gap you know, to the side that Hassan Reddick is on by himself to make sure that you pull, you know, that blocker. Cause you got to go three, three to the, to the three offset. One guy's got to concentrate who is the center or the guard's got to concentrate, you know, on that linebacker who's showing who's sugaring that a gap. Now you got Hassan Reddick over here. One-on-one same thing, you know, that the Rams did, you know, with Von Miller in the Super Bowl. you know, they, they they were just in a position where they could dictate and the Broncos you know, to a weak offensive line how they were going to attack them, you know. And now you just play your games, you know. You may drop Hassan Reddick out and loop a, a linebacker around. You got games where you can like take that guy on the three side and loop him all the way back around. You take the two and send him out and loop him all the way back around up up the center, and you got the linebacker coming too. I mean. It's it's a creative defensive coordinator's dream to have the type of players that Sean Desai is going to have at his disposal because you can just sit back and draw whatever it is that you want to draw up because you got one of the best secondaries in the National Football League. You got one of the top um, slot corners and two and maybe, you know, one of the best cornerback tandems in the world. You just got to put those guys in position where they're up, where they're challenging guys at the line of scrimmage instead of playing seven yards off and you doing all of this stuff and getting all this pressure and they're just stemming them and running slant routes, routes that they can't defend. Get them up and challenge them. You know, he says that we want teams to feel us. That tells me that they're going to be a much more aggressive defense this year. And I'm going to be waiting with bated breath and I'm going to be waiting, watching, to see how this this defense transformed beyond what they were last year and what they are this year. Tell you what, Seth, what an observation because I'm friends with Raheem Morris, and what they did with Vaughn in Los Angeles is exactly what they did in Denver with him, and it was exactly to the T I go. He goes, hey, look, well, why wouldn't I use his skill set on what he did in Denver here and being able to put him in a position to be successful. So I'm with you. Seth, I know you got a role, man. I mean, I could talk to you forever. Um, I put you on my top 10 greatest Eagles of all time. 
Um, and I said this about you. I think in the Super Bowl era, maybe Bergie is in that conversation. I think Bill's best years were in Cincinnati, though. I would say this about you, Seth, that you were the Eagles' most complete linebacker, and you were kind of a version like – you tell me if this comparison is fair. I think you're like a Ryan Shazier and a Derek Brooks. And what Brooks could do, he could cover, he could blitz, he can hit. You're a better hitter than him. And I would say a better tackler than him. And he was used more in a Tampa too. Kind of what you're saying, these linebackers in our scheme need to be kind of that rate, that Ryan Shazier type of guy. Is that a fair assessment? I kind of like Brooks and Ryan. I think Ryan Shazier was a really great linebacker. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest losses that Tomlin has had is that not having that guy in the middle of his defense because he could cover Gronk and he can hit. And so I thought you were kind of in that kind of conversation there. I think the loss of Ryan Shazier destroyed their Super Bowl chances. Absolutely. I, Seth, I think he was a bigger loss than Le'Veon Bell mm -hmm. and even A.B. because yeah. he was the Gronk killer. He gets on that scene, and when they lost him, the Steelers were never the same, and they've never been the same. Finding a guy like you, Seth, and Derek Brooks in today's NFL, dude, you don't have these multiple guys that could – See, like for you, if you thought you had to cover a guy, you could probably take a deeper drop. But because of your speed and you're not having a false step, you're going to slam into that hole, man. I, I, I just don't think people realize the technique that you had and what it takes. One false step in the NFL, you're chasing. I mean, in college, you get away with that. In the pros, one false step, dude, you're on – you're 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 traveling Tuesdays to look for a gig. <laughs> you know what it is? It's it's what you're be, what you're asked to do, and how you're developed. You know, in in my opinion, it's those two things, and not necessarily in that order. A lot of it is how you how you're developed. Like when I first was drafted by the Eagles, I had good feet because you know I was a basketballaholic, played a lot of basketball. Um, you know. I played in a defensive scheme, you know, where I was on tight ends so I could deal with tight ends, you know, but I also played off the ball. So I had that versatility to be able to play off or on the football. Um, Did Buddy but, draft you? Yeah. Yeah. But when I, but when, when Buddy drafted me, you know, they were trying to figure out where I played, where, where to play me because, you know, in college, did they look my, at you like Kevin Green? Like you didn't know no, where to put Kevin Green. No. He was no. like a tweener guy. So I tell you, what, what they were trying to do is they were trying to figure out where I fit because the problem was my freshman year in college, I played inside backer. My sophomore year, I played outside backer. My junior year, when we played against passing teams, I played outside. When we played against running teams, I played inside. And my senior year, they put me strictly at inside. So the NFL – teams were trying to figure out, well, where the hell does he play? You know, well, when I got to Philly, Buddy didn't care where you played. From a development standpoint, you did everything. So we would go down with the corners and cover the wide receivers one-on-one. -on -one. I can remember lining up against Mike Quick, trying to cover Mike Quick one-on-one. -on -one. Now, wasn't very successful at it, but if I could get close to being able to cover him, then I would eat a linebacker, eat, eat a tight end or a running back out of the backfield completely up. But we went down and we worked, you know, every single day. Then we had blitz pickup and, and 
coverage on running backs and tight ends, you know, so you learn how to blitz and you learn how to cover. Um, then you had, you know, the nine on seven period where it's just runs, you know, and you're reading blocking schemes and you learn blocking schemes and you learn what a three technique and a two technique and a one technique and a five technique. You learn all of those things, you know, from a linebacker standpoint and you get to stand behind it all and be like, OK, well, if he's in a three technique, he's responsible for the B gap on anything to me. OK, anything away, he's going to squeeze him. I got to get front side a gap to full flow so you learn but you're developed during this entire time you're being developed every single day you're learning something new and you're being taught a craft every single day if i'm taking on a lead block or if i'm taking on you know an if block what we used to call it whether where the um where the guard takes a step out or tackle takes one step out and comes at you and you know you're responsible for that outside that outside gap, well, I'm going to take it on with my inside shoulder. I'm going to keep my outside arm free. I'm turning everything back into Byron, you know? So over time, you learn all of those things. You learn where you fit. And because I was a study studyaholic, you know, I could tell you what the defensive lineman's job was. Like on floor away and flow two, I knew where they were supposed to be, and I knew where my fit was. I knew where Byron's fit was. I knew where that off gap on the weak side, that cutback where the home run is, I knew that that free safety, if he didn't get down and fill that gap, that we had a problem, you know? And when I played in unders on that weak side, there were times where I could play games because that's the home run. You know, Emmett used to always go front side, but he would always be looking backside mm. because he wanted the home run out the back door. And that guard was always trying to cut me off, cut me off. Well, there were times where I would make it look like I'm running way across and then I would rock back and hit him in the mouth. And there, were, and there were times where, you know, I would make it look like I'm hanging backside and I'd make Emmett hit it front side and I'd either backdoor behind the guard, you know, or I'd just take him and put him in the gap, you know. So there's this process of learning, you know, that I think is missing in the National Football League today as from a developmental standpoint, you know. And then – what are coaches asking players to do? Okay. You know, teams, offenses dictate to defenses, personnel groupings by who they put in the game. Back in our day, we could beat the stew out of you. So we could, we could dictate personnel. You want to go four wise? Well, we're going to blitz off the corner. We're going to take the two extra steps. We're going to hit your quarterback every single time. He's going to get so tired of getting beat that by halftime, he's going to be like, coach, we need to bring a tight end in, you know, on one side. So now we're dictating, you know, formation and personnel based upon our, our ability to put pressure on you and beat you up. That doesn't happen anymore. Now they go four wides. They either go dime package or big dime. No linebackers in the game, you know. So now they're dictating to you what, what personnel you're putting in the game. You know, I never came out of the game, ever. If we were in nickel, dime, every sub package we had, Dan, I was in the game, you know, because over the years, the coaching staff developed me in a way where if there was only one running back on the field, guess who had him? I knew I had him. You know, if you want to go four wise in the tight end, go ahead. I'll get over here on the tight end. Well, 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 it's all good. There was times where I had to cover wide receivers. I remember for the first time we played, 
cover seven, man coverage against the Washington um, Redskins back in the day, as they yep. were formerly known. You know, um, I was on the weak side, and they went, you know, three wides. We had man coverage on. Well, the linebackers, the three linebackers are responsible for the tight end and the two backs. Well, they only got one back. So guess who's got to get out there on that slot guy? Right here, you know, I come to the sideline. I'm like, Coach, you know, they had three wide receivers in the game. We were going to cover seven. Get your ass out there and jam them and run with it. Man, you were just born just a tad bit too young because, you, hey, if they're paying Roquan Smith $25 million, <laughs> dude, yeah, I, I don't know how. Let me see. Jerome would have got 25. You give Devon Hardgave 20, he gets 25. Reggie's getting 50. You're getting 20. Shit, Waters is out of the game because he's going to be a perfect candidate. <laughs> Hopkins, they're going to question his ass, but he's going to make money. Eric Allen is going to make $25 million. Bro, Matt, that defense alone is $200 million. <laughs> but, I, but I'll tell you this. You know, knowing what I know about the game that we played and the game that these guys played today, just from a pure football standpoint, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't want to play. The only reason I would want to play in today's game is because of the money. Money. You know, right. other than that, you know, because I'm telling you right now, if you take my statistics, take my career statistics, you can take a linebacker now. If he played 15 years, he'll never, ever, ever come close to the kind of numbers that I put up over my 13 years. I'm working years. on this, stuff, Seth. And it you just, know it, this. It, Dan, it, it won't happen. It's an impossibility. No, 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 no. I'll tell you why. Jared Bell, Jason Cole, um, the guy in Dallas. I got seven others, and I went like this. I go, so you put Ken Riley in after 20-some-odd years. They're saying, Seth, that you're going to have to possibly wait until the Veterans Committee to get in because then they have a better sense of the control because Ken wasn't an all-decade guy too. And I was talking to those guys about it. I go, listen, I go, this guy's a fixture. He goes, he didn't win a championship. I go, I get it. And that's what the process is as well. Because I said this, I go, so you put that guy from the Miami Dolphins in and you think that guy's a better football player than Seth Joyner? I go, I don't. I saw him on film. I watched the VCRs. I go, the kid in Miami has a lot of political people behind him to get him in and pushed him in. Plus Jimmy helped him. Um, you know, I just, I, it, it, it won't happen because until you get to the veterans committee, that's going to be your best chance. I put, I put these lists together for all the, all 50 hall of fame guys. And I put a list and then they get it down to 15. Then they'll ask guys like me, about 15 other guys. And I go like this, Joe Thomas never had a winning season, played on some of the sorriest teams of all time. He's a hall of famer. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I go like this, the kid, Leroy Butler, I go, so you think Leroy Butler's a better football player than Eric Allen? Man, I don't. Or do you think really that Eric Allen, Rondé Barber aren't the same guy? I go, I don't know. You know, so I have those debates. Seth, I got your back, man. I'm trying. I'm hey, let, me, let, let me tell you something, Dan. You know, when I fell in love with the game of football, 
I didn't fall in love for it for any accolades whatsoever. Okay. To be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame will just be the icing on the cake for me. Because as an eighth round draft pick, I wasn't supposed to play in the NFL at all, let alone, you know, play 13 years, be a three time Pro Bowler, be a Sports Illustrated NFL Player of the Year, be a Super Bowl champion. Um, you know, I didn't get in it for that. You know, so I would never allow those people who control via their opinion whether I deserve to be in or not. I don't give them the satisfaction of, you know, being upset about it. See, you're because- you're in the conversation like Harry Carson was in for the for the longest time. And Harry Carson used to get just so frustrated about it. And I go, Harry, I mean, you're a Hall of Fame player, whether it's this year, next year, what have you. Seth, I, I again, man, I, I know here, here, Seth, I know what you are and who you are because I know who you were with. And I know these men that played. I know I, I knew Reggie well, and you know I know Jerome well. I knew Clyde. I mean, I'm, I'm all these guys who played with you. Go that defense, the linchpin on our team was you, because you set them. You set the fronts. You you got what the what the most underrated stat about you, Seth, is you got all your dudes' backs when they wanted to be stars. You let the front four be the stars on that team. When Reggie wanted to break, instead of maybe not setting the edge, you you would cover the edge. Jerome running around a block, which he did a billion times, you would cover his ass on that. There's you not wanna, a stat you, for that, Seth. You you want you want to know what means the world to me? So, 1990, 1991. We had arguably the best defense in the National Football League. One of the truly greats of all time. Okay. You see this trophy right here? Yes. Philadelphia Eagles defensive MVP. Per my peer. Put that up there. Put that up there so everyone can see it, please. Can you? Because I want to see that. That is. So you can't read it. Because of the glare, I've got another one of these. It was it's in my mom's house. Okay, this is nineteen ninety. She has nineteen ninety one. Okay, Seth, you were the MVP on that defense. My my peers, the Jerome Browns, the Reggie Whites, Clyde Simmons, the Mike Pitts, the Mike Golis, the Eric Allen's, the Byron Evans. Those guys are the guys. Okay that elected me the MVP of, the, of that of that defense those two years, okay? That's the greatest. That's trophy. my there, – there's there's nothing – I mean, That's how the do greatest you beat trophy that? I've ever seen. Because those guys know. Those guys know. Man. Those guys know the work that I put in. They know the work that we put in. And if they saw me in that light on that defense that, you know, that was number one across the board, okay, if they, if those guys saw me as the MVP of that defense, okay, I hold that right here. That's more important to me than any other accolade that I could have is to Man. be recognized by your peers, the guys, the guys that you go to war with every single Sunday. 
for them to look at you and say, hey. What two-time MVP on gangrene? Holy shit. <laughs> hey, Seth, I got, I, I, hey, look, I got to take a time out on that one. I wanna, <laughs> Seth, man, that is one of the coolest things I have found out about you. A two-time MVP on gangrene, on Buddy Ryan's gangrene, is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Seth, thank you so much for doing this, brother. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. You got it, my man. Take care. You got it. Seth Joyner. Right. Wow. Please hit the like button. Randy Cross will join us next, the owner of three Super Bowls. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
Big Sales National Football Show. That was awesome. Every single time Seth Joyner comes aboard with us, man, he gives us an absolute lesson when it comes to football. Can you imagine being considered the MVP on a defense that's considered one of the greatest defenses in the history of the sport? Okay? How, how in the world? You got Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Eric Allen, Wes Hopkins, Andre Waters, all those players, Clyde Christian. I mean, you, you, all them great players. And he's the MVP. How about that, Tone? You name, and he's a two-time MVP on Gang Green. Dude, that's one thing. I mean, I, I, and, and, and I do completely agree with him he did so many little things to make all the guys around him great mac appreciate you coming aboard seth joiner was spectacular he he just he he was unbelievable okay unbelievable by the way we're gonna have randy cross join us we're gonna talk a little 49er football and we'll we'll get his thoughts hey by the way real quick before we move on here I want to throw a stat at you here. You know how sometimes I kick the shit out of Howie when it comes to his draft since 2000? And really over the last couple of years that they've gotten a lot better, especially since he's gotten out of the broom closet. You want to hear a stat? A.J. Brown is the only player that's on the offense right now. Okay? Or I should say that was in the Super Bowl that wasn't drafted by the Eagles. Let me say that stat again. A.J. Brown was the only player in the Super Bowl that was on the offense that wasn't drafted by the Eagles. (laughs) That's crazy. Absolutely crazy great. And, and, And you know what? That shows you when you're talking about the great organizations, when you're talking, and, and, and I agree, Neil, the great ones, they do a great job when it comes to drafting, setting the tone and, and, and putting a, a foundation in your organization. I thought that was one of the, you know, that was one of the most incredible statistics that you could look, the defense is a bunch of mercenaries. I get it. And today's NFL, you've got to have great offenses. But to sit there and tell me that you drafted 99% of your personnel on offense, and it's considered one of the best offenses in the NFL, only AJ Brown is a non draft choice, is unbelievable. You just don't see that in today's NFL with all the transition you have. And on top of that, with the fact that you have so much turnover every year. You have a ton of turnover every single year in the National Football League when you do stuff like that. And the great organizations, as I've said in the past. Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Those were the guys that were able to just, again, when you're drafting right, and again, I, I do think free agency is important. Look at what the Eagles do when it comes to putting their defense together and them being able to go out and find these mercenaries like a Kaiser White or even a Hassan Reddick. Okay? I mean, I think that's one of the most incredible stats that you can have when it comes to building your football team. That's a really good testament to your front office. Look, I think Jordan Malata is going to be an absolute superstar in the NFL. I really do. I think this kid, Lander Dickerson, is already on his way. You got Jason Kelsey as one of the best centers in the history of the sport. And, um, hey, Tone, are, is, are we there with Randy now? Is is he ready to go or is he connected yet? Just want to double check there because um, it's if we're able to get him on. Let me see if we're ready to rock with him right now. Okay. Okay, very cool. So we're, we're working on the video right now, seeing if we can get it connected here. And we'll talk to Randy and get some – again, look, I think we all agree. The three football teams that we're going to have to look at this year in the NFC, Dallas and San Francisco. I would also throw this at you. Seattle, maybe Detroit. Detroit's adding some pieces, right? 49ers have to figure out the quarterback situation. Yale says they want to set the culture and pass it down to the young players. They're doing that on the offensive side, the Eagles. So just imagine you playing a, a lady and hitting Purdy. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to take a look at that. By the way, we're going to take a look at the quarterback list of, of the quarterbacks that the Eagles are playing this year. It's a pretty formidable group. It's a pretty formidable group this time. Not unlike last year. It's pretty formidable here. Um, let Before we get Randy on, this is just a question. Would you go after DeAndre Hopkins? Would you go after Hopkins? Would you go after him? 19.4 million bucks this year. Hold on. A $30 million cap hit. 2024, 
14-9 with a $26 million cap hit. A lot of money. And on June 6th, he'll be 31. Now, here, here, here. This is how you do this if you're Howie. There's not a team in the National Football League that's going to pay $20 million for a night for a 31-year-old wide receiver. Shouldn't you just wait for him to get cut? And no one's trading with those numbers. You're talking about a $57 million cap hit in two years combined. You're not making a trade for that. Nobody in their right mind. It's not that they don't want the player. Everybody on the planet wants that player. Who wouldn't want DeAndre Hopkins on their team? Okay? Who wouldn't want DeAndre Hopkins? So you have a $57 million cap hit, and in salary, you have a $34 million salary over two years you've got to pay the guy. Nobody's paying that. Nobody's paying that. So do you wait for him to get cut on June... And by the way, Arizona's not paying that. Arizona's not going to pay that. All right. We'll continue this conversation here in a minute. By the way, I really thought that that was awesome. Seth Joyner on with us for as long as he was, and I thought it was really cool. Surely Randy Cross played against Seth Joyner. Let's bring our friend in, and Randy Cross joins us. Now, surely you played against Seth Joyner. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Seth was on some uh, pretty amazing defenses. Best defense you played against, or was it that Bear team? Or the surely – wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me back this up. So yeah. you played against the LT Giant teams, the Reggie White and Jerome Brown Eagle teams. The Washington Redskins had a really good defense. I mean – of all the defenses, you, the Bears, of course. Yeah, I was going to say. Of all the, the defenses you played the against, Randy, which, which one of those defenses would you say was the best defense you guys had the most trouble with, Montana and Rice? Um, I would say based on the number of times we faced each other, it would have to probably be the Bears with Buddy Ryan. I mean, we played them – besides championship games, we played them some regular season battles too. Um, both at Chicago and at Candlestick. Um, but, you know, a close 1B are the LT Giants. Those defenses were stupid. I mean, that was – they were really, really good. I mean, it wasn't just LT. That was a, that was a whole crew of pretty, pretty sick, sick physical, you know, defenders. Man, that's – it, it, it's, that's such a history lesson, too, on all those great teams that you guys played and won Super Bowls with. Let me ask you something here and about your 49er team. Do you think the Yorks do a good job running that franchise? Yeah, you know, I really think so. Not, you know, everybody, when they buy, when these guys buy these, these uh, sort of side, side acts, you know, the side acts nowadays go for a three, four billion dollars. But, you know, back in the day, it, it takes a little while. Even when you're spending all that money, you just don't jump in in this business and, and figure it out. Um, and the Yorks, the Yorks had some early issues and struggles. But I tell you, when they hired 
John Lynch and my and Kyle Shanahan. And I, to me, the real sign was that Jed and and company were had great faith in these guys. They gave them six year contracts. And Dan, you know, in this business, six year contracts that, that's just that's just this side of a lifetime contract. Yep. Yep. Um, and they keep extending those deals for those guys. And that's I think they've done an incredible job owning this football team and surrounding um, those two guys with a consistent crew. You know, how many of their front office guys have gotten poached? How many of their, how many of their staff guys have been poached? So, yeah, I, I think it shows from the top down they're doing a hell of a job in San Francisco. Randy, do you think it's harder to win today than back in your time with Mr. DeBartolo and John McVeigh and – you know, you, you you guys had so much clarity in your front office. You had really three dudes making the decision. Carmen came later. It was John, it was Eddie, and it was Bill. And it was a three-headed monster there that was running those great franchise, that great franchise into five Super Bowls. But do you think it's harder today because of all the turnover you get every year with the cap and such? And like you said, the poaching, um, is it? Tougher to be more consistent like you guys were back in the day. Well, I, I think that aspect of football, Dan, is just like almost every other aspect of football. It's it's impossible to compare through eras, offense, defense, line play, quarterbacks. It's just such a, a different game now. And I think when you see these, these organizations that excel over these last, let's say, two decades, since 2000, it's those, those organizations that not only do a great job with personnel, but they adapt all the way through their organizations. You know, it depend, you know who they're hiring, you know, what they're hiring for, what they're emphasizing off the field. Because, you know, off the field was important when I played, but nowadays your nutrition people, your health people, um, your mental health people, just go down the list of all the extra kind of categories you have in these organizations and moving parts that can go wrong. So when you start getting it right, uh, I, I think it's great that a lot of people start to notice. You know, Randy, I think the reason that we, during our era, that organizations really didn't care a lot about off the field is because a lot of that was in-house. And now social media has taken that out of the house and put it more in the public eye. So it becomes, and again, if you don't know circumstances, all you are headline readers because this country, we're headline readers. We don't read facts. Facts don't matter. We're headline readers and social media is the ultimate outhouse wall of headlines. So do you think that that's kind of where that is now where teams have to care more because social media has made these teams have to care? Yeah, well, look at the draft. And look at the, you know, the guys and what they go through yep. in this process. It's, it's so, it's down to the micron now. I mean, it's down to the, the mini character trait or flaw. It, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten pretty crazy in that regard, but, you know, thank goodness it still has a lot to do with, you know, a lot of old instincts that some guys are just born with and, and, you see that once in a while. And the, the best example I think that's we've seen in a while was last year when, you know, Brock Purdy as Mr. Irrelevant can come in and go seven and one play the way he did uh, and evade notice. Let's put it that way. We won't blame anybody because the Niners passed on him, you know, six, seven times too. But 
uh, it's just crazy when you have that happen in this type of a, this type of an environment when you get everybody so that scrutinized the game so much. But you know, one thing's been consistent, Dan. When I played, when you played, over the last 20, 30 years, when you get after the draft, you've got a lot of pissed off people oh, yeah. getting ready to go to camp because these guys all thought they were first rounders. And they got they went in the third round or the fourth round or they didn't get drafted. So, you know, it's it's very consistent that there are going to be some veterans out of jobs based on, you know, guys that can be properly motivated. Other guys don't have that sort of DNA. They don't get that. They don't get pissed off about that. I know, you know, it, it bothers a lot of people really, really bad. And I think it's a great motivating factor. Oh, I think it motivated Brady. There's no there's no getting around it. He posts that picture of him looking like Ichabod Crane on his Twitter page every year and his 5940. I mean, he does it every year he puts I that mean, would there. you would you draft that? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, and you know what I love too? Like you just said, hey, you know, hey, the Patriots drafted the GOAT. Yeah, well, they missed on him five times too. They passed on him. I mean, this guy kind of fell out of the sky like a snowflake. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. right? Well, it, it's fun to see when you get guys that are, you know, sixth, seventh round like that, and you compare that to the guys that are drafted early and get their chances and kind of – I'll give you a great example. When was the last time we heard anything about Zach Wilson? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has sucked all the oxygen out of the room in New York. I I got done. I played golf today. I wait, wait, Randy. I had to think about who you're talking about for a second. I was like, who? <laughs> I come in. I look at the TV, and the and the headline the crawl on the crawl says Aaron Rodgers struggles with ankle in mini camp, and I was like. It's a mini camp. I mean, what's the, <laughs> what's the deal? And I started laughing. I said, well, that just means maybe they put Zach Wilson in. And the guy I'm sitting next to looks at me and goes, Zach who? <laughs> only, only the number two pick two years ago. <laughs> hey, you know, well, well, that leads me to this. So the 49ers today, we're talking about, hey, looks like Sam Darnold is going to be in a good position to potentially be the opening day starter in week one for the Niners I mean I gotta tell you something Randy if I'm Trey Lance I'm not in a good place right now because to me I mean look at the equity and to me the only thing that saves the face for John Lynch a little bit is if that Mr. Irrelevant does pan out because then you go okay we missed on that but we got a franchise guy here you know how it all works out everyone kind of covers their a they're asked, like, when RG3 got hurt, uh, Shanahan drafted um, – he drafted Cousins in the latter round, so that kind of covered that a little bit. I mean, if you're Trey Lance, I mean, Rand Carthon in Tennessee, I mean, do you think about potentially moving this guy? And I say this to you, Randy, because if you play that guy and he sucks in the early part of the season, the more he sucks, the more that value gets sucked out of what that guy could bring for the Niners mm-hmm. – so to me, if you play him, you better be damn sure he's good because at least you have the illusion that he's still a first-round pick, just not with a lot of reps. But you start getting bad tape, as you know, on tape. Yeah, that thing's going south quick, like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's going to be. 
a lot of stress on Sam Darnold and Trey Lance's arms in training camp. Because obviously, did you see that article today about uh, Brock Purdy's elbow? They did a great, yeah. ESPN did a great job on that, explaining it and how they did it and what they did. Um, and I thought the same thing when I saw him at the game and he's high-fiving people with his right arm. I was like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, if he's going to be able to be recovered and, and compete by camp, Maybe in the first preseason game or so, you're going to see a lot of Darnold. Maybe the second one, but you'll see some. You'll see some Trey Lance. I, I think word like that leaking out is kind of a potential uh, firecracker in your ear if you're Trey Lance. I mean, it's 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 not good it, from the standpoint of something you say that comes out as public for a guy you gave up that much for. And I think that guy's got a hell of a lot of talent. And I think he's going to be pretty good. Sam oh, so you, had, you, you, you're so, high on him. Well, Sam Darnold's kind of had his shot. We know what Sam Darnold can do and can't we do. do. Um, what those, what the two guys that are with him in San Francisco, you know, if flat out, if Brock Purdy can throw and Brock, Brock Purdy, we know he can move. We know he can do what he can do. It's him. It's Trey. Then it's Sam. Um. And I, th- I think it's close between uh, Trey and Purdy. And if Sam's got to play some early and throw a lot, I think that's great. But, you know, if your future is locked into a guy you signed like that as a free agent, um, he's not an insurance policy. He's a screen for help. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this then, though, Kyle Shanahan. My, my, my producer came up with a great line, and I think it's appropriate, and I think it fits Mike Shanahan. I mean – for all the accolades people give him, for how good they think he is as a coach, you know, at the end of the day here, Randy, you just can't put your name on the test and say you passed it. You know, you, you got to kind of like come through here a little bit. And I think I may have even brought this up with you. I mean, protecting his quarterbacks has not been something that he's been really good at. I mean, RG3 brought him back too soon. We saw Brock Purdy. Should never have gone back in that football game in the NFC title game. Trey Lance hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo hurt. I mean, could it all be coincidence? Sure. But, I mean, it's all under one coach. I mean, eventually you've got to get the quarterback position figured out, don't you? Yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, you absolutely do. Doesn't it it seem, Randy, they figured everything else in San Francisco out except that? Let's look at it this way, Dan. And you're like me, you're a little bit old school. Um, do you really have to go out of your way to protect your quarterback in today's game? They can't no. freaking touch they can't freaking touch him. They're not gonna hurt him necessarily. I mean, that was a freak thing that happened to Purdy. So you're designing your your offense, and rightfully so, is is designed to do this and do that down the field. And that's something that Kyle Shanahan is good at. His quarterbacks hmm. are good at. And, you know, if you're a quarterback for Kyle Shanahan and you get hit too much, you probably aren't getting rid of the ball when he wants you to. So I I think the game takes care of the quarterbacks more than anybody else. I wouldn't blame it necessarily on a coach. I would say a lot of it's just freak luck. You know, it wasn't Kyle Shanahan's fault that RG3 couldn't figure out how to slide or run run out or run out of bounds and – stand on the sideline inbounds trying to find somebody to throw to and surprise that he get lit up. 
No, no. Trent Williams has already told us about the medical staff in Washington when he was there. So putting him back on the field in Washington, there's there's yeah. some correlation there. I want to bring a topic up and ask you something because you're there in Atlanta. And I want to ask you this about the Georgia Bulldog pro program. And I, and I asked Seth Joyner this um, in the last hour. And Brian Baldinger brought this up. And we have two – well, shit, we have uh, Nolan Smith now. The Eagles have uh, Jordan Davis. They have Jalen Carter. They have Ringo. They got a ton of kids from that program, the Georgia program. Baldy says he thinks that program is a weird, really weird program. And hopefully we get Randy back here. Um, Randy, yeah, so um, – he's he, 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 It's all right. He goes like this, Randy. He goes – these guys do so much rotating and so many guys are behind them that they're not NFL game shape ready when they get to the league because they don't play a lot of game reps. They're either so far ahead or they've got 78 guys. And nowadays, right, Randy, you got to worry about the transfer portal. You got to play guys. You got to promise playing time for kids, especially at programs like Bama and Georgia. You got to play your guys. Shit, some of these places yeah. don't even have depth charts anymore because they don't want you to feel that you'll jump into the portal if you're on the third team. You know the, the mentality here. You think there's any truth to that, that Jordan Davis is completely out of shape for the combines and for his pro day? Well, last year, Jordan Davis was out of shape when he showed up for the Eagles, and he had to get – and that's a big thing about him right now is his conditioning. And again, it's yeah. – Am I off base on this, or do you think there's something to it? This is what Baldinger said to me. He said that program's a little weird. There's a lot of great players there. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with the great players. I, I think this, they and Alabama are, are very similar in that in that program, you compete for everything, including oxygen. <laughs> um, and I mean, on a daily basis, you compete for reps, you compete for attention in the meeting room. I mean, you compete for yeah. everything. And I, I think it's different in the pros. I think it's different when they get drafted. So I, I believe there's more to that than that. It's kind of that adjustment that, I mean, if you're competing for reps in practice and you're competing constantly to be noticed, you don't have to be noticed as a pro. You were noticed. You were drafted. You're supposed to know how to do that. You know, it's kind of a maturity issue, I think, with some of these guys. Huh. And that's, that's not something that, that necessarily just come, comes home and lays at the feet of the coaches. I think uh, this game has seen guys like Kirby Smart and Nick Saban do things and build things unlike we've seen anybody do in college football. And Kirby's still in the middle of it. So you know, he may have three or four or five guys. Oh, I think he's at the beginning of it. Again next year. I think he's at the beginning. Randy, I don't think he's in the middle of it. I think he's at yeah. the beginning of it. Yeah. I, 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 so I think, Dan, I think part of it's that. I think part of it is it's so uber competitive in those yeah. programs that when you get drafted, there's like a relief. It's a size. Oh, okay. I'm going there. I'm a number one pick, but hey, I'm the guy. I'm getting all this money. I can go up there and play, but it's not the same. You're not, you're not competing until the light switches on or somebody lights you up just to let you know that hey you're getting paid and we want our money's worth 
I think that's that that that'll be a motivational factor too. But I think a lot of it is that. Boy, you know, I, I I'm you're 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 right on with it because I'm at Miami. I got Cortez Kennedy, Russell Maryland playing behind me, and I got Jerome Brown playing next to me, and they got Jimmy Jones and a bunch of other guys four deep behind these guys, and you're in those nine on sevens or you're in you know inside drills and shit, and you're in there competing. I could, and I tell people this: I competed more Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday than I did on Saturdays. Those yeah. are my tougher games. So you're right. So you think the internal competition of the program itself is the true com- competition for those programs like Bama and Georgia? It's tougher to compete Thursdays than it is on Saturdays at Alabama and, and Georgia. I, and and how can a pro team replicate that atmosphere? They can't. They don't have enough I bodies. They don't. They don't. So, I, I, you know, I think that's something if you're a coach, you're an organization yeah. and you're drafting some of these guys from these programs, you've got to allow for that. You've got to figure out a way to be that motivator or to give them something that's going to keep the keep the prod on them. Um, and it's 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 not insults. No, it's not that it, it really isn't. It, it's just you're surrounded and, you know, it's you're competing. Around, you're you are in that kind of atmosphere so yeah I, I think that's really important and i think it's a big factor two last questions i want to ask you one on dak um big year for him coming up he's going to make 50 million dollars and next year the cap hit for the cowboys is even bigger is this a do or die year for him in your opinion because how many times are you going to pay a guy 50 million dollars randy get bounced in the opening round and not have a great year last year i mean you know, again, here's another guy putting his name on the test, but not really, you know, passing the test. It's just, I mean, are the Dallas Cowboys in a position now? Would you extend him at the end of this year if you're Jerry Jones? If you get the results you want, like a couple more playoff wins. So I think there's three since and there's been three in 30 years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. You know. I know it's, it's as a 49er, it's kind of been hard not to enjoy. Wait, real but, quick, do you hate the Rams more or the Cowboys more? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 on but on Dak, you know, it's it's a bottom line business. It really, really is. And that's what I love so much about some of these organizations like San Francisco, Philadelphia, Kansas City, <clears throat> Dallas in this case with the Joneses running it. If it's not a championship of some kind, whether it's an NFC or a Super Bowl, it's not a successful, happy season. And there aren't that many teams in this league where that kind of pissed off attitude happens at the at, after your last game. You know, a lot of teams go, "Hey, we we went we went nine and eight, or we went ten and seven, or you know, not bad. We made the playoffs." <laughs> what a crock that is! You know, if. It, it was a failure for the Niners. It was a failure for the Bills. Anybody that didn't get to that Super Bowl and win, you just represent, you know, as a, as a team in the Super Bowl that doesn't win the game, you just represent the other 30 losers. As a guy who never lost one of those, so I, just want, <laughs> I just want that to be clear. So finally here, would you enjoy blocking for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. 
because he's one of those guys where you know where he's going to be. And if he's not there, you'll, I, I love blocking for somebody that's got some movement to him because you're. So do you enjoy blocking more for Joe or well, Joe had, Joe had movement early because Bill yeah. moved him to half the field. So he man Bill did him so right. He gave him half, Bill told me, gave him half the field. And then when Joe saw the whole field, it was just lights out. But yeah. the, after he lost a little bit of his mobility, he became more of a pocket guy. But early in his career, he was more mobile. You agree? Oh, he was very mobile. Very mobile. So I, I love I love the block for somebody like Aaron Rodgers. I love his attitude. I love his arm. I like the sw- I, I like the way he plays. You know, as an offensive lineman, I think he'd be a dream to block for because, you know, besides that, I love quarterbacks that talk shit. Oh, would talk shit or had the attitude because Joe, I can't see Joe talking shit, but Joe just come on. Oh man, he he was he was terrible. He he would, dude. I told you when we played you, I hit him. He slaps me on the ass. He goes, "Nice play, ninety 3 I'm like. Fuck you, man. He just threw a 25-yard touchdown past the rice. <laughs> he would do stuff. I mean, like in the middle of the game, he'd look over and the game would be over or the play would be over. He'd throw the ball. He'd get knocked down on the ground. He'd look up and it was Randy White. And he'd go, oh, hey, Randy, how you doing? I didn't even know you were out here. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. Randy. It is always great catching up with you, my friend. What a great conversation today, man. Owner of three Super Bowls and our friend. By the way, don't forget college football this coming fall. You can see Randy talking some college ball with CBS Sports Network. Randy, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it, man. You got it, my friend Randy Cross. Fantastic stuff there, man. How about that, man? Last two hours. So four Super Bowls, is that right? Four Super Bowls. Randy with three, Seth with one. Right? Kind of good, right? We're good? By the way, Bruce Arians tomorrow, 5.30. How you doing? Hey, and don't ask me. Somebody asked me the other day, Cilio, how do you, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Jesus, you know what? You want to hear something crazy? Look at all this shit that I prepared for you today. And everybody brought content today, including you, by the way. So we're going to hit our topics in the power hour. Hit the like button. Hour three coming up. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. 
It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Is it me or is this thing flying today? This show flies every day. Every day, man. You guys make it happen and some of the great folks that we get on. By the way, Rick Barry has just agreed to come on. He's now our NBA aficionado. And we should have the NBA Finals all set up. So we'll talk to our Hall of Famer on Thursday and get his take on Nuggets and I believe Heat. I think the Heat closed it up tonight. So you got Joker versus Jimmy. Dude, I kind of I like that. So I, w- I was watching real quick before we move on here. I was watching like Undisputed and some of the Fox shows about last night and the Lakers getting swept. It was two hours of Laker talk. What should the Lakers do next? What do you think the Lakers will do? What do you, and I'm like, the Nuggets swept them. The best player on the planet is not in Philadelphia. It's exactly what Rick Barry said. The guy's in Denver. I've never seen a big man, including Embiid, pass like that. Some of those shots that he was making over Anthony Davis, I'm like, look, he doesn't move around like Olajuwon. And Akeem, probably, in my opinion. See, to me, everyone goes, Sills, who would you take, Shaq or Akeem? Two minutes left in the game, I'm going to take Olajuwon. Someone would go, over Shaq? i go, yeah, he shoots free throws. He's got a jump shot. 
He plays defense and he runs the floor. I mean, Hakeem Olajuwon did everything. 80% free throw shooter. Defensive player of the year. Had a 30-footer. Ran the floor. Two-time, NF, two-time NBA defensive player of the year. I don't know. I mean, you'd be hard. i tell you this. He's better than Ewing. Olajuwon was better than Ewing. The Kings one of the top five centers in the history of the sport, man. <laughs> because he ran the floor. Remember something, he didn't pick up. Do you know Olajuwon didn't pick up basketball until his sophomore year at Houston? He was a soccer player. He was a soccer player, and then his last two years at Houston, he led those that Fisama Jamma basketball team with Drexler and those guys to the NBA or to the NCAA finals. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't. That's not what he was, man. So wait a minute. I want to go back and walk back one more here. Embiid is better than Ewing. He ain't tougher. But kind of the same. Yeah, probably better. Probably better. Embiid's not better than Malone. Malone's a better basketball player. Moses Malone was a better basketball player than Joel Embiid. And I would want him. See, the difference between Moses Malone and Joel Embiid Malone's a one center on the five, okay? There's very few centers and guys who played the five box who are ones. He was one of them. Moses Malone was the go-to guy on that team. Don't kid yourself with Doc. It was Malone. Had a jump shot, great at the uh, charity stripe, was dominant off the boards. Moses Malone was a great basketball player. Even Wilt, man, he struggled at the charity stripe. Wilt's not someone you want with two minutes left. Okay, you take Jabbar. Yeah, man, just post Malone. (laughs) Yeah. Still imagine Goddard, Smith, Brown, Swift, and Hopkins. That's where I'm going here. So if, if DeAndre Hopkins... Gets cut. How much would you? But per, first off, I don't believe DeAndre Hopkins. You see Jonathan Gannon's comments today on DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not worried about Hopkins. You're not. You're right. You should be worried about the Cardinals. Nineteen point four million dollars this year is his base salary. How you doing? He'll be thirty-one June sixth. They'll cut him before that. He's a $30 million cap hit this year. <laughs> a 26, I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up. A $26 million cap hit next year. 14.9 next year for a 32-year-old wide receiver. Not a chance in hell this guy's on this. There is no way DeAndre Hopkins is a cardinal. By September. No way. And and Chuck, he's too expensive for Arizona. So if you're Howie, here, go with me here. And by the way, I I did what you guys suggested. I did hear Hopkins say he'd like to play for Jalen Hurts or with Jalen Hurts. I did hear that. I was like, wow. Content. 
I love it. So Hopkins wants to play with Jalen. Howie, make it happen. How can you make this happen? Well, what would it take to get DeAndre Hopkins? Here's what has to happen. He has to get cut. Obviously, you're not trading for him because you don't want to give up draft choices and you're not trading for that money. Then again, note, I don't think you have to worry about that because I now are there teams out there that will be desperate who are des? This is how you check out the landscape. Who is a desperate team right now for a wide receiver who still got a lot in the tank, but is a little bit rich and has the money Houston. Well, they're not going back over that again. The saints Capel. The Bucks, Capel. The Dolphins don't really need it. The Giants? The Packers. Packers get that contract off of the books with Aaron Rodgers. You're not paying your quarterback. You got that really weird deal now. Hopkins to Green Bay, Hopkins, he's going to be cut. So he's not going to play with Jordan Love. Why? Now, would you go to Minnesota and play on the other side of Justin Jefferson? Would you go to Buffalo? First is, he's got to get cut, and I think he is. I think come June 1, Arizona's going to, here, because here, here, is Arizona one player away from winning the Super Bowl? Ask yourself that. No. Your quarterback's not back until the midway point of the season. What's the point of paying $20 million for a guy who I don't even know who's on the team? Colt McCoy? Why in the world would you pay a guy $20 million and have a $30 million cap hit to your deal if, why? You wouldn't. So what do you do? The Cardinals are going to have to take that cap hit if they cut them. But at least they'll look at it this way. Yeah, well, if we cut them, we don't have to pay them the $20 million. So it's a $10 million in the whole deal. That's how they're going to look at it. At $10 million versus $50 million if they were to keep them. I think the writing's on the wall. I think they got to cut them. And then you're pinned in the next year. You got a $26 million cap hit the following year. You make it up if you cut the guy because you save $36 million or $33 million in salary. Okay, all that being said, so he's cut. Do you know why he's throwing out names of quarterbacks? Because he's telling his agent, this is where I'm willing to play. What were the teams that he said? Kansas City? Jesus criminy. <laughs> Dude, Kansas City is scary. Shit. If I were the Eagles, I might get him on my team just so he doesn't go to Kansas City. Kansas City, the Ravens, 
and the Eagles. Okay. See, now what he's doing, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Chargers, Ravens, all playoff teams, and all with big-time quarterbacks. Chiefs. He would probably take less money. How much money would it take to get him to Kansas City? What would be my opening bid for those four, five teams? First, let's see if they would take him. Chiefs, in a minute. Bills, on the other side of Diggs, be unbelievably scary. That's if they can get the ball in his hands. Hey, cold as hell up there, though, ain't it? (laughs) The Eagles, interesting. You know I'm going to the NFC title game. If I'm Hopkins, if I'm Hopkins, and I go there, and I win a Super Bowl, and that puts a Super Bowl on my resume, he's looking for one more contract. You understand that? He wants one more contract like Odell Beckham just got. Be a one or two year deal. Chargers. Spanos is too cheap. The Ravens. Odell Beckham and DeAndre Hopkins and the kid they drafted could be absolutely. It would put the Ravens in the conversation. It would put the Ravens in the conversation of being one of the favorites in the AFC. Okay. Now here. Are you going to sacrifice? Because some of these places you're going to sacrifice numbers. So if the Eagles, let's do the Eagles here. Hopkins and Howie talk after he gets cut. I'll take, let's start it at, what did Beckham get? 14 million? Off a knee injury. DeAndre Hopkins is better than, than Odell Beckham today. He's better. Then again, he's always been better. Odell Beckham has been more theatrical. Hopkins is the better player and has been. Okay? He has. He got 14 million bucks. So do you start there? 14 million. Would the Eagles pay that? Hopkins would command 20, 31 years old, coming off an injury. Man, but Beckham got, what, hey, Tone, double check that. I think he got 14 or did he get 17? I think it's too rich for Philly. I think it's too rich. But you do, wait a minute now. You do have Devontae Smith on a rookie contract. He ain't making a ton of money. His base is not that high. Smith's one-year deal to put Hopkins in the three-hole and, God, DeAndre Hopkins. Swift. (laughs) A.J. Brown. (laughs) Goddard. Odell got $15 Jesus, crying me, man. And he came off an injury. 
And he hasn't been productive at all. If he wants to play in May, play to win, he may. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Man, Beckham got 15 million bucks. Shit. I think it's too rich for Philly. 13.8 guaranteed. I don't think Philly would pay that. He's worth it. He's worth it. I think I think KC would pay that. No. They let Hill walk and won a Super Bowl without it. The Bills? Chargers? No. Ravens. Would you would you pay and you just paid your quarterback 51 million and you drafted a wide out and you paid a wow. Where's he gonna land? So if you're looking at all that, maybe you do talk to the Eagles. I would try a one-year rental deal. D-Hop, but we know Hopkins wouldn't go for that. Why not? So you, so Tone, are you Tone? You Tone thinks then that he's going to get cut, and someone's going to offer him a three-year contract. Would the Cowboys do that? Like I say, yastara. <laughs> The Cowboys. Cow- hey, the Cowboys get DeAndre Hopkins. You do not have the best wide receiving core as a threesome. You, you do not. Well, wait. Best pass catching offense in the NFC. Goddard is in there. Smith and AJ. They would have CeeDee Lamb, Brandy Cooks, and DeAndre Hopkins. I would probably still favor the Eagles. I would probably still favor them. You think Hopkins will mercenary his way through the rest of his career right now? One-year deals? Maybe. You mean like... a? Be like the Adamic and Sue of wideouts or like the Darrell Rivas's where he signs those one-year contracts. He might, but it's not going to be cheap. See, I think Hopkins is a real thing to the Philadelphia Eagles because I would weigh it like this. What if I come in and get 65 catches? Coming off an injury too. Get 65 catches. He has 800 yards, 700 yards in the three hole. That would be spectacular. And then you go like this. Well, you know, I came in here because I wanted to win. And you put that out there too. I didn't come here for stats. I'm a team guy, but now I want to get paid. And you know, wide receivers, wide receivers are a hot commodity in the NFL. I mean, trade value. And market value for wideouts, great ones. Look at what Beckham just got. Beckham has Denson the fender and got $15 million. Wide receipt, dude, you have a dent in the fender and you're a running back, you're Rashad Penny. 
You're a guy that's been hurt three of the last four years, like Beckham. You got a $15 million, $13.8 million guaranteed one-year deal, and you really haven't played worth the shit in the last three years. Market value for wideouts is awful high right now. Dude, you're a running back, and you get banged up, you're done. Look at Zeke. He has no market. <laughs> um, Tone's going like this. Sales, Hopkins is going to get $20 million. Nobody's here going like this. Hey, Sills, you think Zeke's going to get $15 million, $18 million? <laughs> No, I do not. <laughs> You'd be lucky to get four. And he's 28. Okay? Sills, would you... Would you do $10 million one year for Hopkins? In a minute. So would the Eagles, I believe. 10 years. I mean, a $10 million deal one year for DeAndre Hopkins? Where do I sign? <laughs> Dude, that guy's going to get you eight touchdowns. Okay, so let me ask you this. How would this look going in from the red zone? Smith on the perimeter. AJ on the Y. In the slot, you have DeAndre Hopkins. And at the tight end position, you have Goddard. And you got Swift in the, in the, in the, in the run game and in the pass game for, for um, screens. Who are you defending? You don't have enough people on that side of the ball to defend those guys. It'd be an all-star. It'd be the greatest offense the Eagles have ever had. Shit, it's almost there now. Worry about your defense? I don't care about my defense. Hey, if you signed DeAndre Hopkins, I don't give a shit how many points you're giving up on that side. <laughs> hey, just stop him once. Hey, you know what? Honestly, if you signed DeAndre Hopkins, the, the only thing you would have to tell Sean Desai, just stop him once. <laughs> we'll take it from there. All you need is one stop. <laughs> one stop. Shit, Cosmo. If they add Hopkins, do you think Hertz goes for 4K? You might want to up that. You might want to get near five. Shit, he could be over 4,500 passing yards. Can you imagine Jalen Hurts in that RPO? Dude, if Jalen Hurts, if they put DeAndre Hopkins on that team, Jalen Hurts will win the Most Valuable Player Award. He'll win it. Because if he goes for 4,500 yards in an RPO offense, God knows what that touchdown total is going to be. I mean, he's going to have at least 800 yards rushing. It'd be one of the greatest seasons in the history of the league. You put Hopkins on that team, he wins the MVP. He wins the MVP. It's pretty pricey, though. $10 million? You'd have to somehow convince him, hey, I'm going to get you catches. You know what? Hey, wait a minute. You know what I would do? I'd call AJ into my office and Hertz and Devontae and Goddard, and I would go like this. We want you to make a sales pitch to DeAndre Hopkins when he gets cut to bring him here. AJ, you're making $25 million, whether you catch 50 passes or 150 passes. We know. If he comes here, some guys' numbers are going down. Maybe. <laughs> hey, Devontae, you're our future. Dallas, this 
So wait a minute. Look at what that look at what that would do to Dallas Goddard, too. Dude, so you got all these guys running around out in the field and spreading you out like that, and you got a big dude, and you've got that Clydesdale running down the seam. He he'll be wide open. He he would have a Gronk here. How are you going to defend that guy when you've got to worry about stars everywhere? Have you given up on the Cowboys? No, I think the Cowboys are in a real play for that. No, he's got to go somewhere, and I do think he's going to get cut. Now, you know what Jerry sells him? Hey, would you rather make ten million here in Dallas or ten million in Philly? I'd rather make ten million. In Dallas. Now, follow me here. Endorsements. Um, wearing the star. Hey, wearing the, wearing the Yankee stripe or wearing the Boston Red Sox stripe. Why do you think Roger Clemens went into the Hall of Fame in New York Yankee? You know why? When he goes to signing baseballs and shit, more value being a Yankee than Red Sox. That's a fact. At autograph signings, Red Sox have a great brand, but the Yankees are a better brand. <laughs> you're talking to, now, if you want to win and you're concerned with winning and you're concerned with your legacy, you go to Philly. But because these wide receivers are divas, you're hoping that you get some type of balance in there. Right? You're hoping for some type of balance. It might go to Buffalo. My problem, Tyler, with Buffalo is this, and I agree with you guys on Josh Allen. He's got to be smarter this year. He's got to be smarter. He's got to think the game out better in the fourth quarter and third quarter. Second half of those games, I thought he unraveled a bit. I think he needs to bring that back in and be smarter this year. I hope he did a lot more homework this year and getting better at that. I think he needs more patience a little bit. I, Ken Dorsey, too. Maybe another year, you know, them watching film in the offseason. Some of the things we didn't get accomplished. Some of the reckless play has to be cleaned up. Now, here's the difference with Josh Allen. You're not asking him to develop in anything. You're asking him to clean shit up. So you're, at, you're actually pulling him off the ledge. I'm all right with that. Okay? You're pulling him back a bit. Dude. Can't do this. Can't drop the football. When the AFC is so tight, you can't be dropping the football across this football games. Do you know that that was a Carson Wentz play? I hope I don't see more of those because that was a total Carson Wentz play against Minnesota. They had that game won. What does he do? He fumbles the snap with a minute left in the game. Cost him home field advantage, in my opinion, after the whole – um after the whole situation with the player in Cincinnati and all that, that game cost them. That Minnesota loss cost them home field advantage. They win that game because they had beaten KC already. They'd, they would have got home field advantage. Can't have that. Can't have that. You, you've got to be a little bit less reckless in your approach. Okay. Can't cost. I mean, the AFC is going to see. I think it's a three team race in the NFC Eagles, Cowboys, Niners. 
and there'll be a surprise team somewhere. In the AFC, Hopkins, by the way, if Hopkins stay, if Hopkins goes to the AFC, dude, he's going to be a game changer somewhere. He's a game changer. He'll, he'll change the dynamic of a team. Like the Ravens then, maybe they move into that four hole in the AFC. Or if he goes to Los Angeles with the Chargers, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins. You see Austin Eckler re-signed now. They gave him a $2 million incentive bonus. If he gets these incentives, he gets $2 million extra. So they got Eckler back now. I mean, I don't think he goes, I don't think he goes to Cincinnati. Sills, you know Howie and Slay are watching right now. You might have served him the pitch already. <laughs> I know they watch. I'm told every day they watch. So, Hopkins, there's not a team in the NFL, including the Cardinals, is going to pay this. Not a chance. Would you, again, Arizona's situation dictates this. Your organization is in turnover with a new coach. Your quarterback is not coming back until the eighth game of the year. Your receiver has $31 million in cap hit and a $20 million salary. Jeez. Why? And he's 31 and five in like a week. I don't know. Is he a good player? Yes. But for the health of the roster and roster management and cap management, you got to cut him. See, here's the beautiful thing again of Howie. Howie's not going to have to have this. Why why won't Howie have to have this? Those insane cap hits that Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. By the way, from now on, every time you talk about Jalen Hurts' contract, we should always all add Jeffrey Lurie to this because the only reason those cap hits are the way they are is because the owner decided to front-load the contract. There's not very many owners in the NFL that are front-loading contracts. Even the Giants saw what the Eagles did. They're still hammered with that shit contract of Daniel Jones. Okay, good luck. You're the only people in the NFL that believe in that guy. <laughs> you may be right. I could see the Texans reuniting with Hopkins. He hates that organization. No way. There's some religious do-gooder in there that doesn't like him. He run, he's like one of the friends of the McNair family. And this guy's in there. and he, he, Some religious guy. And I forget his name. That, that kind of pulls the strings in there. Even over Nick Casario, the GM. Um, so I, I, I don't see that. I'd rather have Buda Baker. No way. You, Buda Baker versus DeAndre Hopkins. You're going to pay $20 million or $18 million for a safety? No, thank you. I'll stick with the dudes we have now. D-Hop to Cleveland. I hadn't thought of that. They just restructured Watson's deal, too. Jack, that's it. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, that guy's a tool. Okay? That guy, Jack Easterby, is a tool. Nobody likes him in the NFL. He's a religious do-gooder. And, you know, he constantly... It gives bad advice to the McNair family. I hate that guy. 
There's not a person in the league. Andre Johnson can't stand a guy either. Okay. Um, difference between Laurie and Harris. Laurie is a fan, is a fanatic like us. Scott, I would say this to you. He 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 helped Howie Roseman in that Jalen Hurts contract so much that now every owner. He expo- Do you know that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie exposed every single owner in the league? He exposed it. See this? DeAndre Hopkins, if he was a Philadelphia Eagle, do you think there'd be a $30 million cap hit on the Eagle ledger for a wide receiver in a $20 million? I guarantee you the A.J. Brown deal will get restructured he has another great year here. He's only 25. Lori's going to come back and go, tell you what we'll do. We're going to give you guaranteed money like we did, Lane. Here's the money. We want to drop your base salary down to 11. And he'll go, more guaranteed money up front? Yeah, great. So like next year, he'll get $35 million. The same thing Slade did. Slade got a one-year deal basically for what? $25 million so they could reduce the cap. Took three and a half million off his salary too. Dude, that owner, Philadelphia, <laughs> he, he, if you're a player, you're going, why am my guy doing that? Why isn't he, why isn't my guy coming to me going like this? Why don't you front load my contract? You know why? You know why they want to backload contracts most of the time in the NFL? So when they cut you, they don't have to pay you. See, Jeffrey Lurie is on the hook for this 170. He's on the hook for it. He's, no matter what happens, basically Jalen's got a three-year contract at 170. Because there's like an out somewhere in there. They'll redo that. If he's still killing it three years in, they'll add three more years. And it'll be another process to keep that cap down. Look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals have... Between this guy and Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray's, you see the cap hits that they have in Arizona for this guy and Kyler Murray? Can't afford that. Because you know why? You have assholes running the Arizona Cardinals. They don't care. That guy, hey, cash is king. Cash is king to your cap. Every owner in the NFL saw what the Eagles did, but yet refused to do what the Eagles did. Ursay pulls the trigger on D-Hub, smoking his bong. <laughs> smoking his bong? You think he's smoking weed? I don't know. Might be a little more rougher. <laughs> I don't know, man. There may be a little rock in there somewhere. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Ursay is a pot smoker. I think he's more... I, I I I think he's more of a guy going. Yeah, I'm just gonna show you. Not I only saw this on TV. Where is that? Is that what? what? <laughs> Was that a rock? What? <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> um. Ursay's still looking for his second love child. 
we'll see if it's Anthony Richardson. <laughs> and Neil, Neil, not I don't know what snorting a rail means. I have no idea. Stop talking like that. <laughs> uh, they have Richardson in Indy. Yeah, we'll see Anthony Richardson. We'll see what he does with old Jim Ursay. Maybe that's his new love child. How you doing, maniac? All right. We're going to play a little game here. You ready? Where's that list? Here we go. This show flew. Oh, my God. I got to hurry up and get this in. I got six things more to get in. Huh. Wish I was talking to my wife like that, but hey. <laughs> Here we go. I'm done. Here are the quarterbacks. Here are... Neil says I need four hours. Jesus. Four hours of big sills? Here is a list that I've compiled. On what your defense has to face this year. And what I've done is I've put the coach and the quarterback together. First game, Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. I think that's a tougher game than you think. On the road, Mac versus that defense, it's going to be interesting to see. I will take the Eagles' inexperienced defense. Over Belichick and Mac Jones? Hmm. I will take that. I think you're favored in that one. Second game. Brian Flores is now the new DC in Minnesota. The greatness of Kirk Cousins. Hey, man, the Eagles own this guy. Seriously. If Dak owns the Eagles, (laughs) Kirk Cousins, man, should sign every single thing that he has his a prize possession, and he should just sign it over to Philly. I mean, dude, he is—he does not show up against that team. He, I mean, they make him look dumb. So, yes. The greatness of Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. You guys get that one too. Jalen versus Baker, or Baker versus the inexperienced Eagle defense, I think the Eagles have that game too. Three and oh. I think you could I think you control those three quarterbacks. How about four? Week four, Sam Howell. Holy cow, the Eagles Eagles should take care of Sam Howell in week four. Baker Mayfield in week three. Kirk Cousins in week two, and Mac Jones in week one. I think you take care of those four guys. Week five. Matthew Stafford. 
Super Bowl winning quarterback and Sean McVay versus your Eagle defense. Sean McVay runs circles around any coach you have in the building except for Jeff Stoutland. Um, so you really think you're going to stop Cooper Cup with – they don't really have anything else in there. Tone, do they have anything else on that offense outside of – outside of um, Cooper Cup? I can't think of anything they have else – I think it's a I think it's a tight game because I think McVeigh's a heck of a coordinator. Maybe the tight end. Yeah. I I, I think you take care of this guy. I think they're one dimensional. Well, how about DeAndre Hopkins to the Rams? Boy, that changes that room. Hopkins to the Rams, they would well, if they cut him, he can go anywhere he wants. Hopkins to the Rams would change. See? He, they would change that. They would, I if you put Cup and DeAndre Hopkins versus your defense and your brand new guys, I don't know. That game's closer than you think. So let's see. But right now, I think you take care of that guy. Here we go. <laughs> Week six, Aaron Rodgers versus your defense. Why don't you stop them last year? I think this Jet team is a better team than what the Packers were. Well, um, Aaron Rodgers versus a brand new defense. I think personally, I think the Eagles dropped this game. There's your. I think I would take Rodgers over your defense. You got Sam Howe. Do I think the Philadelphia Eagles will sweep Washington? You didn't a year ago. And they got better coaches than you. Um, wow, that's a – that beat you pretty good too. Wait. Tua first in week seven versus Miami. So you think you're going to stop Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, and Tug of Viola with that defense? You, you, do, do, do you really think in week seven you can stop? Do you think you have enough personnel on defense to stop Jalen Waddell Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. I think we could actually see two wells in a row here. I don't think you have enough personnel to stop them guys. Week eight, how? I think you're going to sweep Washington this year. So heading into the Dallas game before the bye, one, two, three, four, five, six, and 
two when it comes to quarterback matchups. Now it's Dak. It's at home, and I think you and the Cowboys are going to split. You're not sweeping them. So I think you win this. That's going to be a really good football game. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got you seven and two. Heading into the bye. I think that's pretty good. Now we go out of the bye. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. I know. At Kansas City. You want to hear something crazy? For the third straight game, Hertz will have more passing yards, but you'll take the L. There's an L. Josh Allen right after that. (laughs) Do you really think you have the personnel to stop Josh Allen? I do not believe you do. Another L. Holy cow. Two. There's three. There's four L's. Holy cow. Now we're coming down to stretch. You got Brock Purdy in week 13. Then Ninus. It's at Lincoln Financial. That's a win. I think you better than I think you have enough personnel to stop this guy. Shit, you broke his chicken wing last time. I think you get the second game of the Cowboys. I think you win this one. And I think you figure out how to stop Dak. Then you got to go to Seattle, who's 8-3 and three against you since 2000. That's a pretty mean trip. That's a tough game. And I don't believe you win that game. I think you go to Seattle and drop that thing. I think they do enough. I think you beat Daniel Jones. I think you beat Colin Murray. Then I think you beat Daniel Jones again. I think you got enough. So what are we looking at here with all these really good quarterbacks? One, two, three, four, five, 12 and five. Kind of what I said. I, I didn't I didn't do the exercise until just now. I said 12 and 5. I think you have enough personnel right now to go 12 and 5. Yeah. Yeah. 12 and 5. Haven't I been saying that? And get this. If you go 12 and 5 versus this group of quarterbacks, you're better than you were a year ago. You guys agree? Yale, Tone, you go 12 and 5 versus this group, quarterbacks, and this group of coaches, you're better this year than you were a year ago because you're playing against better people. You ain't winning 14 games this year, Chief. That ain't happening, JoJo. I'm cool with 12 and 5. It's a very realistic goal. I think so too. All right, I got to take a timeout. Do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you, it's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish, customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Big Sales National Football Show. So I just found out that Santa Clara is getting Super Bowl 60. And from what I understand, that they're going to be served in Santa Clara arugula, <laughs> little wiener dogs, caviar, cheese, with a nice Merlot and Chianti, and maybe a, 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 a Chardonnay for you to be able to enjoy your experience at Super Bowl 60. 
arugula, you know, with a little cheese on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, if I'm at a ball game and there's arugula on the menu, I'm leaving. Uh, hey, 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 what do you want? Would you like to have a salad at a ball game? You don't eat salads, dude. The only thing green I want to see is lettuce on my sloppy, nasty burger with a gigantic beer. I don't want to see a sippy cup. <laughs> do the seats come with custom <laughs> Yeah. No, what they have, too, is little cup holders. You know, like the little kid? Then what they do is they bring your, your juice box, and you just go, yay, Niners! <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to have anybody get upset there. <laughs> Seriously, man, I want my burger everywhere, all over me. Dude, you got your food all over you. It's in front of you, too. I know. That's a, that's an enjoyable experience for me. My wife, when she makes hot dog and hamburgers and there's stuff under my chair, she has her shit all over the floor. I know. Well, why? I go, well, I enjoyed myself. Sills, <laughs> yeah. what's the best stadium experience you ever had? Dude, I'm, this is going to sound so... That I took a knee to you guys. I, I love, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you to make it fair. My experience, Baltimore Stadium and the link. Um, Raymond James. That's a good question. Best time and food. Raymond James does a great job. Um, could you imagine, dude, can you imagine the Philly fans at SoFi? This year, holy cow, are you going to shit all over that place? I'm going to tell you a little secret. Most men don't like people in the bathrooms talking to them. And when you go into SoFi, sir, excuse the uh, urinals and lavatories, I, I don't really like men talking. To me. It's the only, there's only two places that I don't like men talking to me. When I'm in church and I'm into John, I don't really like anybody talking to me in those places, you know, having a conversation with the Lord, you know, you know, and when I'm in the toilet, taking a whiz or whatever, I, I don't like people talking to me, you know, Hey, Dan, what are you making? No, it's, you know, that's not the place. I'll wait for you when we get outside and don't shake my hand. <laughs> I, I don't know why I do this. <laughs> yeah man when I'm, hey got a lot of eyeballs on me when you're in a men's room you know you know because you measure <laughs> you know yeah it's just, it, Raymond James I'll tell you what Arrowhead's a great place okay oh JM um, Sun Devil Stadium my aunt's actually been there too. My aunt's actually been to a lot of ballparks. Um, Raymond James is good. I hate hard rock. <laughs> I just, I just don't like hard rock. No. Um, Lambo's great, dude. And you get big ass hamburgers there. 
They're really good. It's really good. For, I mean, if I had to say the best food, it's got to be Lambo. Lambo has great food. Awesome French fries. Um, Seattle's a great place. SoFi, just remember what I told you, man. Kind of have your guardrails up when you when you go into the bathroom. Just make sure you have your guardrails up. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, man. Hey, Tone, real quick on guardrails. Don't ever let a dude cut your hair. Always keep the guardrails up. See, I don't want some guy cutting. I don't have. I don't let men cut my hair. No way. It's not happening. Because you actually sometimes get a like a little like a little rub up. No, no guy cuts my hair. You'll never see a guy cutting Big Sills's hair unless I'm dead. <laughs> the only guy that's going to cut my hair is the Undertaker. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, the only guy that will cut my hair would be the Undertaker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Floyd the Barber? No, I don't think so. Um, no, no. Patricia. Okay. Patricia, the, the hair cutter, but not Floyd. My wife cuts my hair. No, nah, nobody's cutting big sales hair. That ain't happening. Dude, tomorrow we're going to get Bruce Arians on and we'll talk to him about the RPO. And I think at this, I, I, I had an interview all lined up for last week, but 5.30 Eastern, we're going to get him. And I personally think what Jalen does, it might be actually a harder offense to run than what the traditional drop back is. Because think about it. When you got to drop back, you got to read all that, right? Well, when Jalen, he's, he's reading the pass play and the run play all at the same time. The guy in the sidelines is almost a non-factor. The decision maker of the quarterback, he's going to determine, he might even pull it back out and drop back. This is why I say PFF today came out with all those quarterbacks. This guy gets you to the first down just in a different way. I have to deal with that too. It's not how you drive, man. It's how you arrive. And that's what this kid does. Great stuff today as always. Xander, thank you. Thank all of you. You guys are great as always. Big Joe, thank you. Tone, spectacular stuff as you always do, getting the guest on and constantly contributing to the show. This guy is smart as hell. I mean it. And he's going places. And we appreciate that very much, Tone. We will see you tomorrow, 3 to 6, Eastern Time. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.